It's showtime. Three hours of conversation, cussing and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. and running on this, the 13th day of December, 2023. This is the Horn, HeadOn.Live. It's where you'll find us on the interweb tubes. That's where you'd go if you'd like to be part of the merry, wacky, zany, real-time, madcap, multimedia extravaganza that is the Horn chat room in the three hours in which this program is live, Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. Pacific, or Eastern Standard Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, all time zones in between, and the Great Globe Round, and um, whatever time it happens to be when you're listening to the podcast, thanks for listening live, thanks for listening to the podcast, wherever and however you take the program, thank you for being part of this long-running little community. If you're listening live, feel free to pop on by headon.live and check into the... uh, well, the uh, real-time, madcap, merry, wacky, zany extravaganza that's the Horn Chat Room. And waiting for you there right now are Irish Dave and Ralphs and Squeaky and Theo, all of whom will be tickle pink to see you if you pop on in. And if you're listening to the podcast, please be so kind as to like each and every episode. Help us, help us help the algorithms to help other people to find this program. Leave a comment. That really... Mother Deacon Asa was right. It really does make uh, make things better. So thanks all around. And of course, every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude because there's no... Um, there's no advertising here. We're not trying to uh, turn the community... Uh, over to the tender mercies of any capitalist enterprises or anything like that. No. What we try to do is just deliver three hours of solid conversation and information each and every afternoon, evening, whatever time, you know, the usual. Um and do it as accurately and as enjoyably as we possibly may. Oh, don't knock the cowbell over, Roxanne. No, hit it with the pop can instead. 
uh, but that being said, that being said, uh, thanks do go out to our 13th day of the month subscribers. And that means thank you very so, ever so kindly to uh, Gary and Gaia out in Oregon. Thank you. And thanks as well uh, to Paul. Thank you, Paul. So in an effort to uh, uh, keep all the plates spinning on all the sticks... The fundraising goal uh, stands at uh, $990. So that's all of today, all of yesterday, all of Monday, and $90 of Friday. I think think I've got that right, yeah. Um, So all help is good help. Bills are still here to be dealt with. And and thank you very much if you decide to jump in on on the ongoing effort that keeps all of this going. Still blows my mind that we're going to be 20 years old in February. And I will confess, I had had a very good day. Oh, hi, I'm Robin. Had an early day. I was up at about five. I had a doctor's appointment. It was one of those six-month wellness check things where I have to get my show up in order to get my scripts refilled and everything. And well, I stepped up onto the scales, and your girl is fifteen pounds lighter than she was six months ago because I have been paying attention to what I eat, getting some exercise and stuff. And even better, I went from an A1C of 10.2 six months ago to an A1C of, drumroll please, 6.5 in six months. So am I happy about that? I'm delirious about that. And he even took me off one of my metformin tablets that I take, so... I could not be happier. I mean, I could be happier. I could have a home in the country and a river of beer flowing over my grandmother's paisley shawl. But I'm pretty doggone pleased. And it it tells me that if I keep doing it. The goal is to get down under under 200 pounds. Because there's a lot of me. I'm a very tall girl. Big boned, you know, and uh, uh, shoot for an A1C below 5.5. It's attainable. It's just going to take a little bit of work. So that was my morning, um, and there's well, there's it being prayer meeting Wednesday and all, and it is. Uh, we've got some religiosity news to delve into, but just from a starting point, today saw 
counsel either Chris Kyes or counsel for the parking garage, you know, Alina Hobbin, 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 uh, step up to the to the lectern or podium or whatever they've got there in that courtroom in New York City and say, Your Honor, the defense rests. So now all that really remains to be done are closing arguments, and then instead of turning it over to a jury, we should have had a jury. Oh, nitwit Nero, you don't want a jury. (laughs) They're going to be much harder on you. Then uh, Justice and Goron will. But that's the guy who's going to have to write the opinion and draw the, or take his pen in hand with a little or, or, well, his computer and hit the number one and then just lean on the zero until his shoulder grows weary and the zero is just fan out across the page as he calculates the disgorgement amount. And then off to the Intermediate Court of Appeals they go, and then maybe they go to the um, the final Court of Appeals in New York. Remains to be seen. And all of that will take place in early January. Yes, Matt, 15 pounds lighter. Matt says, you go, girl. I've been gaining and losing the same five pounds for the last six months. My goal is 15 pounds less. Sounds simple. Seems the older I get, the harder it is to lose a few. Congratulations. Better health is always good, considering our lovely pay-to-play medical care system. I know. And my fingers are crossed. Uh, We'll find out in the next couple of days if I can afford to get health care for 2024. And that's part of the fundraising goal. That's where we are right now. I mean, there's power bill to be dealt with, more power bill. There's more. There's the phone bill. And that's another thing. I, I'm, it's an open question as to how solid the internet is today. I did manage to get on the uh, get on the blower to tech support. We had a lovely chat. Can you hear the sarcasm in my voice? If not, I'm not putting enough in. And the technician will be out here. You, you, you know that you know you know you know cable internet speak right between eight and noon. Well, it'll probably that means it'll either be seven thirty in the morning or two thirty in the afternoon. So I've got that to look forward to tomorrow. But yeah, it's, the harder the older you get, the harder it is to lose weight and to be quite blunt. And some of my sisters can probably confirm this. It's a lot harder to lose weight uh, when you're running on uh, estrogen OS as opposed to testosterone OS. Harder to build muscle mass. It's harder to shed. But got to try. Just got to try. Thank you for the kind words, Matt. Uh, thank you so much. Oh, and... Uh, uh, also out there in the Bay Area, a coded message for Cynthia. I will be happy to talk to you about brines and seasoning brines and all of that uh, anytime. Because uh, and and it's, if you can if you can get a smoker and keep it in your outbuilding, that will be perfect. The biggest problem is that 
grills and such being what they are, anytime you have a combination of grease, i.e. fats, and ash, that's the recipe for lye. And lye is a highly corrosive substance. And so you can scrub and scrub and scrub and scrub, but you can't get it all. And eventually there are just parts of that, that, that acorn unit, which I love, which are just over time going to disintegrate. It's still a really, really good unit, though. But all of these things, you have to, you have to uh, clean them fairly meticulously, whether you spent a good killion dollars on uh, the big green egg or a Kamado Joe or you know, 350 on an acorn. And Brother Deacon Asa, I saw some food porn today. Oh, yeah, we're going to get to all the crazy, goofy, wacky stuff. We are. Um, but, oh, Brother Deacon, it, it would have brought tears to your eyes. I walked into the Wiggling Pig as I came home from the doctor. I had to pick up a couple of things. Vacuum sealed and pretty as you please, they had... There in the meat case, cuts called Thor's Hammer. Great big whopping piece of beef shank with about six inches of bone sticking out of it that had been Frenched away. And the uh, proprietor there, uh, the young man who was kind enough to be to bust his butt to be the only grocery store in West Virginia that sells Koneka sausage. Said, Robin, Robin, did you see these? Did you see the Thor's hammer? I'm going I'm going crazy. I'm going to do one. Have you ever done one of these? And I was like, no. But I want to. Oh, Brother Deacon, they, they were pretty. They were pretty indeed. Oh, we have one. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, Brother Deacon Asa just quickly looking for a pick. What would you do with that, Brother Deacon? I mean, you can't just plop. I mean, I guess you could just plop it on the smoker, but it looks like something you'd want to braise, maybe. Really low and slow, covered. I don't know. Um. They had a really whopping big one that was like seventy-five dollars. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna study up on it. I mentioned that this was the final day of the fraud trial in New York. Uh, it did not it did not go out with any kind of decency. Um, it, uh, it, it was, in fact, petty. It was, it was everything it's been all along on the parts of the defense. It was petty, vindictive, pissy. Um, there was a, a witness, a Cornell University accounting professor, who was called to 
uh, refute some of the horse feathers that that NYU professor had brought uh, by the by the by the trash bag full uh, in the last couple of days. Dr. Eric Lewis was the Cornell University accounting professor, and testifying today, he said that the Trump Organization's records were significantly devoid of, of financial disclosures. And according to reporters in the room, really, this had this had to be the 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 uh, brainchild of counsel for the parking garage, Alina Havana Havana Havana. I, I don't I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's a website out there. It's anonymous, and it's called RateMyProfessors.com. And so Nitwit Nero's pettifogger showed up with a fistful of copy paper from anonymous students who probably had shit for grades. No, the the brainchild it was the brainchild of Jesus Suarez, another of the pettifoggers. And he told the court, Jesus Suarez did, this shouldn't take long, but it could be ugly. In which one young Gen Z person said, "Uh, good class if you want to chill and not learn much. There, there, there's an old phenomenon in colleges above where if one gets a top mark in class, you'll hear the young scholar say, I got an A. If said young scholar has screwed up, however, and, and posted a failing grade, the answer is, that son of a bitch gave me an F. See the distinction? There's only one problem with RateMyProfessors.com and uh, using it to try to discredit expert testimony. It doesn't appear that whoever it is that moderates or runs or whatever's RateMyProfessors.com pays a lot of attention to whether or not RateMyProfessors.com actually has any meaningful information on it. And so it is that, well, you know the you know the uh, wildly popular TV show Friends. Yeah, so it is that um, Ross Geller, one of the principal characters of Friends. Yeah, Ross Geller in that show was a paleontology professor at NYU. probably don't need to say this, but just for the sake of fleshing out the entire story. Ross Geller is not a real person, and yet somehow or another, 
Ross Geller, paleontology professor at NYU, has a profile, I'm not kidding, on RateMyProfessors.com. Which might lead some people to do a little facepalm and look at learned counsel and say, Jesus, Suarez! And then Kevin Wallace for the state did an examination of his expert. And bear in mind, again, there was no jury. And a lot of the rules of evidence and procedure to which trial counsel may make objections along the way are geared toward keeping lay people on the jury from receiving bad, sketchy, evidence it's not the same with an actual judge who understands the rules so there there there, there was the examination of of uh, Cornell prefer, professor Dr. Eric Lewis and there was Chris Kyes objecting 14 times in an hour of testimony And eventually Kevin Wallace got frustrated and said, Your Honor, please. At which Chris Kai stepped, uh, 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 sniped at him. Petulant outbursts don't really play well in the courtroom. Well, he would know because it's been nothing but a litany of petulant outbursts, whether it be from Chris Kai's, Jesus Suarez, or, of course, Alina Havana Havana Havana. And then, of course, Suarez fucked up in an attempt at rebuttal. He tried to call into question um, <laughs> Dr. Lewis's status as a uh, uh, certified public accountant, asking, Did they teach you how to read accounting standards in engineering school? Um, who's they? The witness answered. Withdrawn. That's it for rebuttal, said the reporter there from um, Courthouse News, Eric Ubelacker. That's it. That's it for rebuttal. The people of New York rest its case. And the defense rested, and now now the uh, fireworks are over, and the number crunching begins. More shenanigans at uh, the trial of Rudy Giuliani. Ruby Freeman, you know, yesterday, Shea Moss took the stand and made Joe Sibley, Giuliani's lawyer, question why he was a lawyer instead of something respectable like a piano player in a whorehouse. And today was Shay's mama, Ruby, uh, uh, Ruby Freeman's turn. 
She testified today, Ms. Freeman did, about the tsunami of hate and harassment she took after Rudy Giuliani put a bullseye on her. And among other things, the uh, the jury in that federal courtroom overseen by Judge Beryl Howell heard audio of a phone call in which Nitwit Nero slimed on her too. Uh, Ruby, Ruby Freeman said, I-, I prefer to refer to him as the former president. And he referred to her again saying that she and her daughter had cheated while counting votes. And Ruby Freeman testifying said, I just felt like, really? This is the former president talking about me? Me? How mean. How evil. I was just devastated. Me? I didn't do nothing. It just made me feel, you don't care that I'm a real person. And then she she committed that most unpardonable of sins. She, a black woman, said that Nitwit Nero, an orange person, wasn't particularly smart. He didn't know what he was talking about, really. He had no clue what he was talking about. He was just trying to put a name to somebody stealing ballots, which was totally a lie. And again, this may be one of those places where a jury or a, a, a jury foreman gets tired writing numbers. Giuliani could be hit with as much as $43 million in damages. And again, like the Manhattan case, Giuliani's case in federal court, liability has already been established. Judge Beryl Howell has already said, oh, no, you're liable. You did it. And so the only thing in the hands of the jury is, how many gazillion dollars is he going to have to pay for the shit that he turned loose inside Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman's lives? And like any decent lawyer, her counsel can divide any number by three. And so three into four one time, one times three is three, four minus three is one, bring down the three, three into 13, four times. So if this is a contingent fee agreement and they get the whole uh, $43 million, the court will have to sign off on it, but it could result in in attorney's fees for... uh, plaintiff's counsel of oh somewhere around 14 million dollars that'll keep the lupine pest off the porch for a little while don't you think Jesus Rudy I hope it doesn't hurt too little of course the only problem is you can't get blood out of a turnip nor money out of a ghoul Liani And he may, for all we know, he may turn turtle and declare bankruptcy. In fact, the bankruptcy petition's probably already crafted and just waiting until the jury verdict comes in. 
It has been a zippity-doo-dah day. Uh, back here in almost level West by Cole Manchinia stand, we have a candidate for governor in the Republican primary who is currently the sitting Secretary of State. His name is Mac Warner. Mac Warner is a maggot of the first order. He's a veteran. His family have been involved in politics in West Virginia since God was a baby. And he had, uh, like I said, he's the current Secretary of State. And he almost looks like a normal human being. But he sat down with uh, uh, media for uh, a, a debate, a pageant, come on, a Republican pageant here in West Virginia. And the, uh, the uh, a question was put to the participants. And that question was simply, was the election stolen? And some of the other candidates tried to do a little Solomonic baby splitting. Not one of them could say, no, it was fair and square, and Nitwit Nero lost his ass. Maybe if he hadn't, hadn't urged everybody not to vote by mail or not to vote absentee, things would have been different, but he did. And so Mac Warner, uh, during the debate hosted by Metro News, said, Oh, the election was stolen, and it was stolen by the CIA. Oh, there's a new one. The CIA stole the election in 2020. And here I was all the time thinking it was Black Lives Matter and Antifa. I will be dipped. Yeah, stolen by the CIA. Yeah, curiously enough, I can't find anything in the reportage on it to indicate whether or not he was wearing his aluminum foil helmet at the time, you know, to keep those CIA rays from infiltrating the fillings in his teeth. Also in the, uh, in, in the running is Chris Miller. He's the son of uh, Carol Crazy Cat Lady Miller, the woman who prays before every vote in the House or the Congress, uh, and the same as she did in West Virginia. She prays over every vote, asking Jesus to tell her what to do. 
<sighs> and curiously, and I find it very difficult to believe, Jesus always votes Republican. Because that's how crazy cat lady Carol Miller always votes. It's the darndest thing. But anyway, uh, Chris Miller tried not to sound so batshit crazy. When he was asked if the election was stolen in 2020, he said, Um, possibly, Mother? And then uh, House Judiciary Chairman Moore Capito, also running for governor, son of Shelley Moore Capito, grandson of... Arch Moore, the single most crooked man ever to inhabit the governor's office in the state of West Virginia, who, when he died, was so crooked he had to be screwed into the dirt, said, uh, uh, elections in West Virginia are very secure. And that's as far as he went. Of course, Moore Capito is not going to become governor uh, in, in any circumstance, I'm pretty sure. And, and I hate even talking like this, okay, because I lost, but I still had the, I still had the integrity to run for office back in 2022 authentically. Tell anybody who, well, trans. And I was trying to become the first trans woman in the history of this state to get a seat in the legislature because I felt like when they go into their little anti- uh, anti-trans spasms that they should have to look at someone who is while they're doing it. I say that because uh, more Capito is gay, 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 gay. And everybody knows it. And if it gets nasty enough, he will get outed formally. So he's probably not going to come out of the out of the primary process uh, a winner because it's a Republican primary. See, even in West Virginia. You can be gay, you can be lesbian, you can be bisexual, pansexual, allosexual, uh, asexual, demisexual, pansexual, and you've still got a chance. Not in the Republican Party. One young member of the West Virginia House of Delegates a few years ago said, uh, okay, y'all, I can't stand it anymore. I'm gay. And then he wasn't a member of the House of Delegates anymore. Funny how that works. So that that's uh, that's more Capito, Chris Miller, Mac Warner, and uh, present Attorney General Pill Pushing Patty Morrissey didn't show for the debate. 
Uh, instead, uh, he uh, stayed home. But of course, he's a, he's a pretty obvious nut job too, because as Attorney General, he tried to sue the federal government to invalidate election results in Michigan, Georgia, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. In none of none of which states he is any sort of elected official, and the courts took a look at that and made quick work of it and said, "Get out of here, you and all the other maggot attorneys general." Bye. Apparently, Mac Warner, though, oh, the election was definitely stolen. Uh, the check cleared because, among other things, he is uh, a darling of treasonous former General Mike Flynn. He's been endorsed by Michael Flynn, who entered two guilty pleas to lying to the FBI, but was then pardoned by Tangerine Tiberius. And so... uh, Uh, he's made a statement, Pill Push and Patty Morrissey. No, no, this was uh, Mac Warner. He's got the endorsement, Mac Warner. Uh, Michael Flynn recognizes the link between free, fair, and secure elections and the legitimacy and effectiveness of government. Mike Flynn, back scratching right back, said, Ultimately, our national security is directly related to how legitimate the government is viewed by our citizens. If elections are in question, then respect for government is diminished and our consequent ability to protect the country is degraded. Secretary Warner's work on election integrity and security has set the example for what is needed right now across this entire country. And, of course... With the reference to the CIA, as Metro News pointed out, he's also uh, doing a little nod toward Hunter Biden. And Hunter Biden's laptop! Really. And speaking, speaking of Hunter Biden, I had a note from Matt earlier this afternoon. Here's Hunter. Recovery from addiction is hard enough. It takes a lot of work. Getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Learning how to live your life in a completely different way. It takes making yourself vulnerable and admitting the worst about yourself. And then forging forward to making amends to all the people you hurt. Including yourself. To have to do that in full view of prying eyes and then have the entire Republican Party and media ecosystem bitching about you the entire time. I'm just saying, Hunter must be working the hell out of those 12 steps. His big book's probably dog-eared and worn out. It's a miracle he's sober. These people are just horrible.
I can't help but think that it is hard to maintain sobriety under such a circumstance. God Almighty. But speaking of Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden, yeah. Uh, Madge was throwing a fit in front of a camera earlier today in the halls of Congress about Hunter Biden. Because remember, this is the this is the thirteenth. He was supposed to show up and be deposed behind closed doors so that uh, Comer Pyle and company could then make up shit about what he said or didn't say. But he has one of the best criminal defense attorneys in the country right now, Abby Lowell, who said, no, that ain't going to happen. And so they gaggled, the maggots did, out in the hall with a host of reporters before them. And, yes, Madge Sporkfoot was right there And the, the, the maggots were pathetically trying to make a claim that somehow Joe Biden made money off of Hunter Biden's deals. Well, you know, I'm sure, yeah, that, you know what, they've got him dead to rights. Hunter Biden took a little bit of that money that he made off of all those foreign deals and probably bought his daddy a Hickory Farms gift uh, gift box, or maybe maybe a fruit box from Harry and David. Unpaid product placements there, y'all. But if he did, he got the idea from I don't know, precious princess I wink I, I wink at my daddy Trump Kushner, who had a lot of foreign foreign deals. Among other things, a license to build caskets in China. Bespoke caskets. Can't help but wonder if they buried her mama's ashes and some stuff to later be picked up by, I don't know, our, our Saudi pals and one of those Chinese boxes. But it was bad out in the hall. It was just bad. You know, when Jim Jacketoff Jordan runs away from you, you know that you know that maybe you don't enjoy the respect of your colleagues. It went like this. I mean, Comer Pyle was there, Jim Jacketoff Jordan was there, Virginia Double X Fox was there. Yes, I do. Okay. If if I wrote you if you pay me back two hundred and forty thousand dollars. For a loan repayment, I should have a check going so to you for two hundred forty. Joe Biden's attorneys of inventing the, the, the law firm that represented a, all the shell companies money. That, that represented all the shell companies. You think those lawyers have? What, what do money? you think? You're you're defending them. I mean, you're acting as That's the criminal defense attorney. Crime to are, you, are you positive that that money came from Joe Biden? You really? Now, Comer Pyle is at this point, and you hear his voice cracking in proper Kentucky fashion, and you all think it's funny that. Uh, I'm not just not, hmm. no. He's 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 got that he's got that classic uh, Appalachian. Well, he's not really Appalachian, is he? He's from Western Kentucky. But he no. He's 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 got that Southern twang going on, Mister Douglas, right? 
but he's actually arguing with a reporter. It's the same bank account. Look, we have a lot of questions. Next question. Are you going forward with contempt? I'll let you know. There's a process you have to follow. You have to file a report. So we will begin looking at that. Um. <laughs> That's fine. Hey, hey, Comer Pyle punted that off to Jim Jacketoff Jordan. Uh, who himself ignored subpoenas during the January 6th investigation. What? What subpoena? I don't know about any subpoena. Go Bucks. Both uh, the lawyers for the Oversight Committee, the lawyers for the Judiciary Committee will move in that direction. But look, when Congress asks you to come, you're supposed to come and, uh, and come and testify. Yeah, when Congress asks you to come, you're supposed to come and testify. And he's kind of bouncing a little bit when he does that. He's kind of going up and down. You know, when Congress asks you to come, you're supposed to come. Realizing, of course, <laughs> he's a great big honking hypocrite and probably a criminal. Tried to sort of speed talk his way through that one. With, last, last thing, we also found checks from one of Hunter Biden's shell companies that were going into a, an account for Joe Biden. But they they said that was a loan repayment. Oh, yeah, everything's a loan repayment. Well, the, the president, Hunter was, Biden will have an opportunity in deposition chairman, to come in and explain that. Chairman, that in emails that, we, that you guys leaked from Hunter Biden's laptop. Thank you. I would like to have asked Hunter Biden about May and Okay, that, that voice you heard there, Virginia Double X Fox was doing her dead-level best to stand in front of Madge to keep Madge Sporkfoot from opening her mouth. But, Virgie, hon, that ain't going to work. Pay attention. This is good. In emails that we that you guys leaked from Hunter Biden's laptop. Thank you. I would like to have asked Hunter Biden about main violation. Sex trafficking women across Thank state you all lines. very much. Thank you. That would have been a good question. You don't seem to care about that. I want to ask Senator Biden about sex trafficking. And Comer Pyle is looking at her. And if looks could kill, she'd go away in pieces in a basket. And that... And, and any mention of sexy stuff or sexual abuse or sex trafficking, and that's when Jim Jacketoff Jordan turned around and said, oh, thank you, this is over, goodbye. Because you do, that, she, she brings that up, and the next thing you know, uh, Congressman Jordan, what can you tell us about young men who were raped uh, by the team doctor at The Ohio State University while you were the assistant wrestling coach, uh, any, anything, uh, any, no, got anything to say about that, Jim? About man violation, sex trafficking women across Thank state you all lines. very much, thank you. That would have been a good question, you don't seem to care about that. When Congress asks you to come. <laughs> you don't seem to care about that, though. Uh, well, there's a lot of things, Madge, that people don't care about because they only exist in the thin gray settlings that slosh around between your ears and pass for brains. I don't think Jacketoff likes her very good. Uh, yes, Ralphs, in answer to your question, Moore Capito is Shelley Moore Capito's son. Um, we don't know any. Well, I don't know. I don't know if we know anything about his boyfriend or not. He was my boyfriend. 
And so they had their little impeachment inquiry today in the House of Representing, and it's another one of those, uh, uh, thank God for Jamie Raskin days. And the Democrats keep asking these uncomfortable questions. is recognized for three minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Speaker, you know, the reason mysteries are called whodunits is because they start with a crime and then you have to try to figure out who did it. The Biden impeachment investigation isn't a whodunit. It's a what is it? <laughs> it's like an Agatha Christie novel where the mystery is what's the crime? And that gets very tedious very fast. After 11 months of this, no one can tell us what President's, President Biden's crime was, much less where it happened, when it happened, what the motive was. And I have to note for the record that Jamie Raskin is smirking at the Republicans while he's doing this. He's just roasting them. You know, the, the mob makes you an offer you can't refuse. The Republicans make you an offer you can't understand. who the perpetrators were or who the victims were. Maybe the funniest thing I've ever seen in Congress was yesterday in the Rules Committee when Congressman Nagus kept asking Congressman Reschenthaler what the crime was. And Reschenthaler, who's not on the Oversight Committee and is apparently just waking up to the joke, kept saying he didn't know what it was, but that's why we need an impeachment investigation to find out. And Nagus kept asking him, but what will the impeachment investigation be looking for? And finally, Reschenthaler said, a high crime or misdemeanor, and Nagus said, yes, but which one? Now, Nagus, of course, was involved in a real impeachment investigation of a real presidential offense, the incitement of a violent political insurrection against this Congress, against the vice president of the United States, against the Constitution, and against the election of 2020. We did not need Sherlock Holmes in a magnifying glass ah! to find the presidential crime with Donald Trump. It came right into this house and smashed us in the face. Now, it's true Chairman Comer has collected a mountain of evidence over the last 11 months, tens of thousands of pages of documents, dozens of hours of interviews with government officials, but all of it clearly shows that Joe Biden committed no crime. Even their own witnesses that they called to the only public hearing they had said there is not remotely enough evidence to justify impeachment. Chairman Comer has bragged on Fox News about procuring 100 percent compliance with his subpoenas. So forget about obstruction, which I hear them muttering about today. Mr. Speaker, I played a game with uh, the little kids in our family at Thanksgiving. I asked them whether they'd seen my henway. And when they said, what's a henway? I said four or five pounds. It's a dad joke, and some of the bigger kids got it. But when I asked the little kids, like three or four, if they'd seen my henway, they said, what's a henway? And I said three or four pounds, and they started looking for it. And when the other kids came along and asked what they were doing, they said, we're looking for Uncle Jamie's henway. And then for hours, they were looking everywhere for my henway under the sofa and under the chairs. And it could go on for days like that. Mr. Speaker, we're all looking for the Republican Party's henway. It just weighs three or four pounds, but it's costing us tens of millions of dollars. So please forgive me for spoiling the party here. But I want to say this to America. There is no henway. And this stupid, blundering investigation is oh. keeping us from getting any real work done for the people of America. I yield back. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Chairman.
Good God, it's it's amazing that that the maggots didn't were just, weren't just reduced to a heap of ashes at that point. And then there were the, uh, the, the, the the Democrats are doing a pretty damn good job making sure that, well, as long as the as long as the multimillionaire for-profit media actually reports on this stuff, that anyone who isn't just a complete hard case cancerous dead ender maggot understands that this is this is just an ex- this isn't an exercise in futility the maggots are doing this is an exercise in stupidity. And Jim McGovern of Massachusetts was rock solid. Uh, this was yesterday when he brought the receipts. Call admitted, we don't have the evidence. That's his quote. Ken Buck, our colleague, the evidence for impeachment doesn't exist right now. He also said, I haven't seen any evidence linking Hunter Biden's activities to Joe Biden. And I'm not convinced that the evidence exists. Uh, Rep. Dusty Johnson said, there's a constitutional legal test that you have to meet with evidence when it comes to impeachment, but, but he has not seen that evidence. John Curtis, my bar for impeachment is incredibly high. For me, it's all about, is there an impeachable offense, and is there evidence of an impeachable offense? And when asked if he had seen anything that comes close to that bar, his answer was, quote, no. Daryl Issa, the former House Oversight Chair, said the actual... Uh, participation by the vice by the vice president and now president that still has to be discovered and and or nailed down. Uh, Lisa McLean, when asked if the House Republicans, after nearly a year of investigation, had uncovered any improperly influenced policy decisions by President Biden, said, "Quote: The short answer is no." I mean, I have. I mean, I I, I could be here all he's, day. He's riffling through page after page after page of Republican quotes. Hey, reading. Quotes from your colleagues, Republicans, who basically have publicly admitted this is a waste of time after a year, after a year. So let's let's be honest. We are here because Donald Trump said, ordered you to be here. He wants to finish the job. We're not here because there's any smoke. Uh, We're we're, we're here uh, basically because this is what the former disgraced president wants from you. Uh, and with that, I ask unanimous consent to insert into the record a several pages of recent Republican quotes basically saying this is a, no evidence and a waste of time. Without objection. We're here because Donald Trump told you to be here. It's true. It's absolutely true. But now, after the discussion and the debate and, the, and being called out, here we are. Uh, about four minutes ago, uh, CNN published, House Republicans voted Wednesday to formalize an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden as their investigation reaches a critical juncture and right-wing pressure grows. I don't know what their investigation reaches a critical juncture is. You can't have a critical mass of something without having, you know, mass. (laughs) There's no mass. There's no there there. 
Up until this point, CNN says, House Republicans had not had enough votes to legitimize their ongoing inquiry with a full chamber vote. The probe has struggled to uncover wrongdoing by the president, which is why it hasn't garnered the unified support of the full GOP conference. But they had to do something. It was put up or shut up time. So now, we're going to get to watch this little dream off play out. And it happened today, uh, as CNN notes, after Hunter Biden refused to show up for a closed-door star chamber session, saying all along, I will be happy to testify in public. Ask me any question you want in public. In his first public statement, uh, since being since being re-indicted, Hunter Biden said, I'm here to testify at a public hearing today to answer any of the committee's legitimate questions. Republicans do not want an open process where Americans can see their tactics, expose their baseless inquiry, or hear what I have to say. So now, as we heard from Comer Pyle and Jim Jacket off Jordan, they're going to begin uh, contempt of Congress proceedings because he didn't show up for a court of star chamber. Hunter Biden went on and said, let me state as clearly as I can, my father was not financially involved in my business, not as a practicing lawyer, not as a board member of Burisma, not in my partnership with the Chinese private businessman, not in my investments home nor abroad, and certainly not as an artist. Because that's one of the other things. They're going after the auntie of one of the uh, one of the Hamas hostages who bought some art from Hunter Biden. There's no end to it with the, no shame. And the White House is is. White House counsel and the like are not uh, well they're 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 not taking this lying down because they told three separate committees the White House did that their subpoenas were well that they had they had no merit because there was no formal House vote to authorize an inquiry because what had happened previously is Craven McCarthy, the former squeaker of the House, subsequently defenestrated by Matt, it just gets worse. He started a, an inquiry into an inquiry, because he's Craven McCarthy, and it couldn't go anywhere. And there's a little bit of 11-dimensional chess being played here, y'all. What what the White House was saying was, come on, no, really, please, start an impeachment inquiry. This is going to be great for you. I mean, it's, pract- it's practically uh, flounder in, in animal house. This is going to be great on the Republican side. 
and they took the bait. Oops. So we're going to have that to talk about for the next couple of months. But every now and then, uh, maggots got caught in their own words. And so, uh, for instance, Guy Reschenthaler, who got completely humiliated in the previous clip that we heard from Jamie Raskin, <laughs> I just love this. Uh, he had said uh, previously, according to the Washington Post, now we have a situation where the standard, oh wait, he's from, uh, yeah, uh, it has been lowered to such a degree that, again, it's merely at this point a political exercise. Not, not, not that this is a political exercise, but the bar's been lowered. And that was followed up by the that mishmash of blithering idiocy that, uh, that we, from the the hall and the outside the committee room that we heard just a little bit ago. And and they're 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 wrapped up in payments for. A truck and a billions of dollars bribery scheme and well along came representing Troy Nels of Texas one one member of the press asked him about the, what they sought to accomplish with impeachment and Troy Nels responded well Let me see if I can get it teed up. Yeah, here it is. Representatives, what are you hoping to gain from an impeachment inquiry? All I can see is Donald J. Trump 2024, baby. That was Troy now. All I can say is Donald J. Trump 2024, baby. I guess Troy Nels is in one of those... safe districts where it doesn't matter if he comes out comes out of the out of the capital with a banana peel hanging out of his mouth Trump for baby that was just one of the brain trusts answers And, of course, as Jamie Raskin noted, it was Joe Neguse of Colorado who had uh, humiliated Reschenthaler. And Reschenthaler said, uh, well, I can't, uh, I can't answer that question. What's the crime? I can't answer that. Uh, 
I'll explain it later. I'll bet you will. I'll bet you just will. And then in that snippy little exchange where Jim Jacket off Jordan ran away, having said that uh, uh, Hunter Biden was uh, the, flouting the law by, show, by refusing to show up for the Star Chamber subpoena, And the minute he said, uh, well, let's see, uh, over on that website that used to be a little bit fun called Twitter that isn't anymore, a user named Henry M. Rosenberg said, Jim Jordan, when Congress asks you to come to testify, you come, unless your name is Jim Jordan and you don't feel like it. Another person, we must look like an embarrassment to the world. Where does Jim Jordan get the balls to talk about obeying congressional subpoenas? I'm just speechless. It's hypocrisy at its worst. Well, I mean, it is, but nobody can really say that it wasn't entirely predictable. I mean, hypocrisy is what Jack it Off does best. Meanwhile, back in the trial of Rudy Giuliani for sliming Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman. Uh, Sam Levine, reporting for The Guardian, said that apparently pettifogger Joe Sibley had a real live strategy for defending Rudy Giuliani, saying that well, my client actually helped Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss. Um, because uh, um, well uh, Levine's own words Sibley's now testify, testing the idea that perhaps the defamation campaign by Giuliani actually helped Freeman and Moss noting they were awarded the Presidential Citizens Medal and Moss won the JFK Profile and Courage Award The question that Joe Sibley put forward is the whole goal of your theory of reputation damages to force, uh, forcibly convert election deniers through re-education campaigns. Uh, what? Don't know where Joe Sibley went to law school. And according to Joe Sibley now, nobody really took the election denial business seriously. He was questioning Dr. Ashley Humphreys, who was brought in to testify as an expert on reputational damage. It was she who, whom he asked the question, is the whole goal of your theory of reputation damages to forcibly convert election deniers through re-education campaigns? And she, she just said, no. At which point, Joe Sibley petulantly uh, muttered, 
Why are we wasting time on flat earth people? Yeah, Rudy Giuliani's trial counsel referred to all those precious, blessed maggots who think that the election... Stop the steal! And he called them flat earth people. Flat brain people? Mm-hmm. Um, over in the Senate, meanwhile, the Republicans over there seem to be a little bit more cognizant of what this might mean for them. I mean, the, the Senate, the Republicans in the Senate can just taste being in the majority again because they hate being in the minority Uh, with one senator saying uh, instead of pushing um, impeachment why don't y'all do something meaningful why indeed well because they're playing to an audience of one That's all. Brutal. They're not going to do They're not they're they're they're, they're, they're not going to do anything meaningful. Or just not. We are into the second hour of the program. Again, the fundraising goal is at $990 um, here midweek. And it would be great if we could knock down enough to maybe finish off last Friday on the front porch. That would be 90 Terribly helpful. And thank you to anyone who does jump in and help. It's uh, The uh, PayPal button is at headon.live. The, you can uh, uh, you can also help out via Patreon. The link to that is in on the contribute page. U.S. Postal Service um, delivers mail to the Horn, 1038 North Eisenhower Drive, PMB 318, Beckley, West Virginia 25801. And checks and money orders should just be made pay- payable to. Robin Kincaid, R-O-B-Y-N-K-I-N-C-A-I-D, as we're changing some of our uh, banking because of uh, the, uh, well, because because, uh, Wayne is in hospice. Um. Oh, and Ralphs has a uh, challenge on the table. Today, after 11 weeks of trial, we rested our case against Donald Trump. That from New York Attorney General Letitia James. $25 challenge for Letitia James closing her case. Thank you so much, Ralphs. Um, we can get uh, we can get th- get things down to uh, 940 
and be $40 away from being fully funded for last Friday. If anybody wants to respond to Ralph's challenge, thank you. Thank you so much, Ralph's. Oh, and by the way, if you're listening to the podcast, Brother Deacon Asa keeps encouraging me to do this in the middle of the show. If you're listening to the podcast, please like and subscribe. Leave a comment um, so the algorithms will know that people are interacting uh, with the podcast. Most helpful. I mentioned Joe Nagoose a little bit ago. He uh, blistered the maggots today. He said, Republicans have had a majority in this House for 11 months. And what do they have to show for it? Nothing. No efforts to grow the middle class. No efforts to lower costs. No efforts to build safer communities. Instead, an effort to default on our nation's debt, two attempts to shut down the government, vacating their own speaker, and now a baseless impeachment that they're pursuing for one reason and one reason alone. Because former President Trump ordered them to do so. You ask them to articulate what crime they're investigating. You ask them to identify any evidence of wrongdoing by President Biden. Crickets. Mr. Speaker, the American people, I can assure you, are deeply disappointed in the actions that House Republicans have taken for the better part of the last year. And this action is no different. But nonetheless, they went ahead. But when you lose, the, when the maggots lose news muck, they've lost everything. Because uh, one of their hosts, one Rob Finnerty, said that even if they manage to impeach President Biden, it's going to be dead on arrival in the Senate. And Finnerty apparently is, is, is a better political analyst than the entirety of the maggot house because he said it might even make Joe Biden a stronger general election candidate in 2024. But see, the maggots don't understand complexities like that. All they, all they're they're like the dog sitting in front of the uh, in in front of the speaker of the old Victrola. All they can hear is their master's voice, who wants vindication, who wants to be able to grunt on tripe social at least as long as it remains a going concern, which may not be that much longer. That crooked Joe Biden has been impeached because he's crooked and Joe Biden. And, of course, now the words of Chip Roy of Syphilis Springs, Texas, are coming back to haunt him. When he was throwing his fit last month, he said, Explain to me one material, meaningful, significant thing the Republican majority has done.
And, of course, the answer is nothing. One thing. I want my Republican colleagues to give me one thing. One that I can go campaign on and say we did. One. Well, you defenestrated your own speaker. So you've got that going for you. Which, unlike receiving perfect consciousness from the uh, from the Dalai Lama on your deathbed, is not good. Oh, hold on here. So that's. Uh, But there, it, it, Matt wrote earlier about the hell, uh, the difficulties that come with recovery from addiction. Uh, I don't know if Matt will agree with me on this, but I think the maggots are hopelessly addicted to their orange god emperor. And at this point, They have not reached step one, where they realize that they have become powerless over Trump, and their lives and their political majority have become unmanageable. Uh, let's run over. Uh, let's let's run over to the Skype line. Uh, Tristan, our new friend from last week, uh, has uh, joined in. Tristan, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Okay. Uh kinda. You sound like you're in a barrel right now. Maybe get a little closer uh, to the mic. I'm as close as I can get, unfortunately. Okay. I, uh, I'm I'm wearing hearing aids. I'm I'm also part deaf, so it's just yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, maybe next time I'll use my laptop. Okay, that's fine. We can hear you. Okay, good. Good. How are you, Robin? Uh, I'm actually, like I said at the beginning of the program, in pretty good frame of mind. Well, that's great. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's it's, it's good to have that in today's world. Let's tell you that. Uh, every good day is a big win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, gosh, so much is going on. You know, I read Hunter Biden's book last year, and I got to tell you, it was it was one of the most beautiful books I've ever read in my life. Really? Yeah, it it was it was it was some heavy heavy stuff. I got to tell you, um, you know, just the way he he approached things, it, it, a bit unorthodox. Um, but I, you know, addiction is hard. I've seen people with addiction. I understand how difficult it is. I've never, I've never had a substance abuse problem myself, but believe me, I have enough psychological issues to make up for it. So, you know, and it's hard to look at yourself in the mirror and to to have to do it publicly is, is just, I couldn't, I can't even imagine. It makes you wonder if anybody in any of these maggots' families have ever dealt with or faced addiction or, or or tried to cope with it or come back from it, or if they're all just sitting there tippling and, well, I ain't no addict. Fill her up. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's it. Yeah, they, they all have, they all have, everybody has skeletons in their closet. Like, you know, to think that they have, are just, like, somehow immune to it. It's easy to put on a brave face in public, but in private, you know, that these people are just as dysfunctional as the rest of us. 
or perhaps more so, because remember, they're highly repressed, Tristan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's, there's no question about it. I didn't add that part, but yes, yes, absolutely. They're, they're oh, my goodness. It's, uh, you know, um, I, I wonder how they get through the, the, through the world being so repressed. I mean, you know, there's a lot of repression in my, in my life, and I'm having to come to terms with it now, and, you know, uh, it, it's, it's, it's difficult to admit who you are to be that vulnerable, but to the level that they've done it, it's, I just, how, I guess it's easier when you have other people who are doing the same thing. You mean enablers? Yeah, basically. Well, yeah, I I think that you're touching on something that's very real, Tristan, because they've got a lot of other people who are there licking Donald Trump's boots. Yep. And it makes it, it it makes it hard to stop the licking. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, people will lose their social circles if they if if, if they if they come clean and admit that they've been bamboozled all this time. And yet, somehow or another, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger don't seem to be dying of loneliness. Yeah, no. They 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 found. Uh, Friends, sometimes it feels like the media has, you know, kind of tried to focus on on Liz's uh, positive attributes a little too much. And, and, you know, Mitt Romney, too. They, a lot of people like Mitt Romney now. It, yeah, again, and Mitt, you know, he and Mrs. Mitt and Rafalka and that whole Osmond clan out there, they, they, they seem to be okay. Yeah, yeah, no, they're they're doing fine. I think I think a lot of there's a lot of smoke and mirrors with our Republicans, as I'm sure you know, and it's gotten worse and worse over time. You know, people people have really, you know, they buy into these narratives like, oh, we're being censored, oh my God, you know, and yet they're on TV proclaiming how much they're being censored all the time. It just really it doesn't take a rocket scientist to find the flaw in that logic. No, the rocket surgeons are completely, completely at ease with all of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You hear, exactly. you hear that, Emery? That, 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 yeah. poor, that poor, that, that poor, that poor Trump Republican. Looking, I feel so bad for him being censored and being there on the TV to tell us about it. Yeah, it's it's, it's so funny. And my, you know, my brother, he loves. I told you about my brother. He loves Elon Musk, and he's just enamored with him, and. You know, it's just, he's like, well, Twitter's doing great now that, that they're being censored. It's like, they're hedging money right now, like, no tomorrow. It's like they're they're hemorrhaging. They, they need to go to a trauma center or something. They're doing so fucking terribly. Well, I mean, I'm sure, I think, I think Elon's figured out his new strategy. Did you see that he hosted a, 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 boy, a, a boys gathering on... Twitter of him and Andrew Tate and Alex Jones. Did you catch that one, Tristan? That that was for the I, ages. <laughs> I heard about it, but you know, you, you try to, you know, when there's a nuclear explosion, you don't try to walk up and touch it. So I well put. Hold on, that. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Natusha Paula nuclear explosion. Yeah. Thank you. Two in a row. Thank you. I, you know, it's it's just. It's just, 
And, you know, I need to spend more time personally shoring up my arguments. You know, a lot of us have too much time in, 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 in doing our own thing, taking, taking stock of ourselves to worry, to, 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 to do that. But I'm telling you, I mean, this is this mind virus thing. You know, they, they're questioning things that those of us who are sensible have never even thought to question. And that's scary to me. Well, that's because you're paying attention. It should be scary. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah no, it's, it's, it's always been that way for me, and I've always just, even when I was little, like before I paid attention to politics, it's just some people, they, I just never understood that. I've never understood, you know, how you can live your life and not want things to be better for the generations afterwards. I've just, I've never understood that, you know. Well, but it's, 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 it's even deeper than that, Tristan. How can you not want things to be better for yourself? Well, that too, yeah, I was just going to go there. Like, you know, I, I've read about all this, I was reading about all the Starbuckses in the, in the country. There's a Starbucks across the street from me, so, uh, you know, I was reading about all the Starbucks that were, you know, that took unionization votes and, and, and that won their unionization vote, and it's like, why would you vote against it? I saw, I saw on Subway, uh, Safeway, sorry, I, me and my dad were at Safeway, and there was this guy protesting outside, and he was like, uh, do you want to hear about how you can opt out of the employee-owned healthcare uh, thing? And it's just like, so you're going to turn your back on healthcare? I mean, our healthcare system's not that great. And so you're going to make it worse by telling me how I can get rid of my health care, my employee health care? Like, this makes no fucking sense to me. Well, that's because you've got a functioning brain. And yeah, yeah. The, only, the only people it makes sense to are the same people who, you know, listen to Alex Jones talking about the, the, the monkey jellyfish hybrids for sale in the wet markets of old Kowloon. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Alex Jones is... You know, I, I I briefly flirted with Alex Jones when I was 16 or 17, and you know he he made me have an existential crisis because he just questions so much, so much everything. And it, basically, their logic is they, these these right wingers are so. And, and and if you listen to David Pakman, he talks about this. They have a problem with ambiguity. There always has to be an answer to everything. Everything that goes wrong in this country, there has to be a freaking answer. Oh no, they they can't. They they yeah. That's 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 very true on Pacman's part and and yours as well. They can't live in a world that has gray in it. It has to be black or white, and God knows with that crowd, preferably white. Preferably, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I've never, you know, and maybe I just haven't lived long enough to understand how people can tie themselves into knots and stuff. But, like, I get comfort from knowing that there are observable, quote-unquote, facts, to the extent that we have facts in this world, and I'm not going to get, you know, we're not going to get all philosophical. Oh, what, what is logic, man? You know, but... Well, like, dude, that's just your opinion, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My brother's like that all the time. It's just like, well, we can't know anything, and it's just like, well, yeah, I mean, I, you know... In, in the, in the grand scheme of things, I guess, yeah. I mean, we can't know that we're not a figment of somebody's imagination. But, like, I, I just don't understand. But, I mean, do you, do you realize, people. Tristan, what a rejection of just about the entirety of what we call modern, uh, modern thought that is? 
I mean, that's all, you know, that's all the way back to cogito ergo sum. I think, therefore, I am. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it's just, and that's what, that's what we've come to, unfortunately, and, you know, uh, sorry, I just tweaked my foot, ouch. Um, I, um, it, it's, it's just like, I, I, I struggle to comprehend it. I just haven't lived long enough, I guess. I, I, it's just, it's, it's amazing no, it's, to me. It's not an, it, it, Tristan, trust me, it's not an age thing. Okay. If, if, you, if you lived to the great age of the patriarchs, you still wouldn't understand it. I wouldn't yeah. understand it. Because this, this as, as ironic as it might seem, this is a sort of proof of your brother's thesis. That there are things we just can't know. And, 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 and we can't know what's going on in the minds of a Joe Rogaine or a Ben Shapiro or Alex Jones or any any of those in any of those uh, denizens of bizarro world yeah no it's 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 honestly so yeah it's there, there's not a lot i can say about it and i think you know for my part anyway i i've had you know an awakening of sorts and i've been very dormant politically over the years and i think Listening to your program and listening to others has made me understand that, like, I might not be able to do much, but, you know, we have, we can, we can at least, all we can do is, is, is take what we have, what we can observe, and, you know, either we do something about it or we don't, depending on what those things are. And there's a lot of things that we can, we can do something, small or otherwise. Well, uh, but see, on the other side of that equation, wallowing is always an option. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, I've been there a long time, you know, I, I just recently moved, uh, you know, um, from uh, Portland up to Seattle, and it's been a hell of a couple years. I was, you know, I was almost homeless last year, and I had moved to New York all the way across the country, and, you know, um, I'm sorry, this is kind of tangential, but... No, please, we do, this is the home of tangential tangential (laughs) conversation. Thank you. (laughs) That's one of the things I enjoy about you, uh, about your content, that we can basically talk about anything, Uh, but, uh, you know... It was a scary time for me. I, I I have pushed a lot of people away in my time, and, and you know, uh, you know, been by myself a lot, and then I find myself three thousand miles away from my home, in an apartment that the ceiling was falling down, and like, you know, having one guy there with me for an entire day to get me out of that situation, somebody that I had just met, and you know, it's. That kind of stuff, it makes you into a person, it makes you into a better person, you know, and it makes you, it makes you start to see, gosh, there's a lot of inequality around. There are people who have to live in this building. I have options, but, you know, there's something I can do about that. There's, there, there are letters I could write. There are people I could talk to, you know, and I'm doing my best to kind of get off the sidelines and, you know, 
make a try to try to make things better for me and for everybody else. It's going to take time, but I'm going to do what I can. Well, you know, Tristan, there's a there's an old quote attributed to the uh, one of the greatest football coaches of all time, uh, Paul Bear Bryant, down at Alabama. Oh yeah. And he used to have a sign. There was a sign in the locker room, and all it said was "Make something happen." And yeah. there's there's a big difference between make something happen and make everything happen. Yeah. It's it's not make a big thing happen. It's make something happen. Yeah. Because one thing that you think may be small or inconsequential can create more change than most people can even comprehend. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think I think that, you know, we have we underestimate our power a lot. And you know, the Republicans do a damn good job. You know, it's never the left wingers who say, Gosh, you know, fuck this. There's no point in voting. It's the right wingers who are like, ah, fuck it. We don't have any power. You know, I was I was going to bring up that very that very fact uh, when you were talking earlier about people who say, "Well, you know, I won't follow politics." Uh, that I've I've long said that that is a mark of the success of soft voter suppression by the right wing in this country. And oh, sure. uh, it goes back to Strom Thurmond in 1948 to George Wallace in 1968. It goes back to Ralph Nader in 2000, all of whom have said something on uh, a, a, a variation on the theme of there's no difference between Democrats and Republicans. Yeah. And long ago, uh, back when he was still among the quick, my dear friend Bart Cop would periodically publish, because he was so mad about the 2000 election, he would periodically publish this editorial cartoon of... Uh, somebody standing with a gas mask on in front of uh, a, a, a hellscape background of uh, smoke and fog and miasma and oil derricks and chemical stacks. And and I think the caption was something like, still think there wasn't any difference between Bush and Gore, do you? <laughs> yeah. And so the way, they, they win, Tristan, when yeah. when they get ordinary people who might be civically engaged to say, well, you know, they're all corrupt. It's just that some of them get caught. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've never heard a left-winger say that. I, 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 I guess I've yet to see that. By the way, have you seen those old George Wallace ads, like where he, you know, he... Oh, Tristan, I didn't just like, see them. I lived them as a child. Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah. Take and a just, message you know, to I, Washington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and just, just the fear, like, I, I uh, we, we, um, my constitutional law professor at Syracuse, he showed me, he showed us these ads, and I couldn't see it, obviously, but I could hear it. I think it was like a, it was like a carjacking. And, like, he, I, I saw that, and, and then there was sort of a voiceover that, that, that went, Above it, I can't really remember what it was, but I was just like, "Yeah, I'm staying far away from that guy. I, I don't want anything to do with him. I just can't, you know." And I guess it's just me, me not my, being naive. Like, you, you sit there and you watch the TV, and you're like, "You know, that guy sounds like the type of guy that I want in office. Completely and utterly unhinged." And now we, of course, we have Trump. So 
And and I think I think that's a the the larger point is that the journey to Donald Trump is a lot longer than a, a ride down a tacky ass golden escalator. Okay. Donald Trump happened to the United States long be- long before he started braying about Mexican rapists in what 2015 2016 yeah. I mean it was George yeah. Wallace it was Strom Thurmond in 1948 uh, it's everything that uh uh was documented in the paranoid style Richard Hofstetter's the paranoid style in American politics in what 1960 62 something and you can still go and read it online, and it's like you're not reading something from 1962. You're reading something from 2022. Yeah. Well, I think America has to come to terms with the fact that they've just been a hotbed for it since the beginning of this country. They've been a hotbed for radical extremism, and people don't want to accept it. I mean, you know, you look at some of the wacky-ass shit that Patrick Henry said back in the 1770s, you know? Oh, he was a Lulu. That's there's there's a reason that, that uh, there's a right wing university named after him. Yeah, yeah. He was he was as crazy as they come back then, and I think you know, you I think something that you said. It, people, a lot of people these days think that history began the day they were born. Unfortunately, yes. I mean, the the. I mean, you talk about radical extremism. Uh, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson both died on the same day, you know, July the 4th, 1826. Yep. And as John Adams lay dying, he said, Jefferson yet lives. And as Jefferson lay dying, he said, well, at least Adams is still here. And they were both wrong. (laughs) But the thing is, by 1826, they had lived to see... The, uh, the the death of the revolutionary fervor of the Enlightenment that had informed the revolutionary the revolution itself, because by the early 19th century we had had what is referred to as the first great awakening, which was not an awakening at all, but a great hypnosis, and the rise uh, one of the earliest rises of fundamentalist religion in this country. Yeah. And it, it wrecked the politics of the country. Because yeah. parts of that Great Awakening were was a religious fervor, but the religious fervor in the South w- w- included things like, and God and you know and and God cursed Ham, the son of Noah, and turned him black, and that's why we got we got slaves on the plantation because God. Yeah. This being prayer meeting Wednesday, we can talk about that. Of course. Yeah. But it's true, you know. That's that's how we got Andrew Jackson. You know, it it, it, it didn't it didn't end there, you know. And I, I think, you know, we're lucky not to have had a black plague uh, 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 pandemic back then, you know. Well, I mean, there were some uprisings, and 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 the terror of it lived deep in the souls of white plantation owners. I mean, it informed everything from not not uh, uh, teaching literacy to you know everybody talks about how the sa- Second Amendment's so sacred. Uh, the Second Amendment uh, scared the daylights out of 
plantation owners, because, well, what if they get guns? There's a lot more of them than there is of us. Yep. <laughs> yep, there's, uh, yep, that just is, yep, problem, minorities owning guns. Everybody, everybody has the right to own a gun except for the people that we don't want to have guns. Precisely, so, precisely. So, so it's, 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 you know, it's, uh, it's definitely interesting to see how you've evolved and to look at history and to see what kind of, um, you know, where things all started. And the fact that we, you know, I had a, I had a British, um, another professor, British guy, um, who would say, who would tell us very frequently, yeah, the reason that America is so extremist is because the people who came over decided to, they wanted to kill Catholics. That's what the history books don't tell you. We were founded by a bunch of people who wanted to kill Catholics, people who didn't agree with them. Right, because they were they were they, they were terrified of the Pope at Rome. Uh, John, John Adams was deeply anti-Catholic and not very fond of the rest of Christianity either, for that matter. And Thomas Jefferson had no use for organized religion. Remember, he uh, edited his own version of the New Testament that got rid of all the uh, the, the the hoodoo and the claptrap and the miracles and the uh, and it's a. It, and it's an, it's a it's very much a different document. Yeah. When all that's yeah, gone. Yeah, I should read that. I haven't, I haven't read it. But listen, I, I I need to get out of this house. I I gotta go get some hot chocolate or something. I've been. Uh, oh, that sounds like such a lovely day. idea. Yes, I've been cooped up all day waiting for a, this goddamn FedEx package, and you know they never let you speak to a person. You know, it's always. You know, tell us why you want to talk to a person. Give us a reason why. <laughs> Are you really sure you want to talk to a human being? What's wrong with you? Yeah, I know. And, it, it, and so we finally got to somebody. I had to get my dad on the line to help me with it. And it's like, they said that they put instructions in, because I'm blind and we live in a secure building. And it's like, I don't know when the fuck you're here. I'm six floors up. <laughs> what are you going to do, stand on the ground and throw pebbles? Yeah, I know. It's like... Hey, I was waiting for FedEx. Sorry, I hit you in the ass. Sorry about that. It's just, you know, uh, people are, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't understand. But, so I've been waiting for that. I was going to go out earlier. I was going to go to the store, and I decided to wait because, yeah, it's just, it's annoying. So I had to call them back, and then, and then they, they said that they were going to, they were putting my instruction, you know, my number in to call again. So, God forbid, hopefully he doesn't come during my doctor's appointment, which is going to be two hours long, because I'm not going to be here. So, you know, it, it, FedEx, I hate FedEx. I fucking hate FedEx. They're the worst. Well, it's completely different here. You know, FedEx or UPS shows up here at the mansion, and they just fling the box on the porch and run. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's nice. It is nice to live in the country. I, I, can't, I can't deny that. My mom lived in the country until... Very recently, and whenever I got packages, it was it was just so nice. You, people, they would actually knock on your door and say hi to you. And, I mean, no offense to your East Coast listeners, but being so much on the East Coast, I've gotten I've gotten out of the habit of it. Like, you know, I used to I used to just kind of walk out and not say hi to anybody, and it, it started it slowly disappearing now that I'm back home. Uh, well, I mean, that's, and. You don't get much more rural than I am, Tristan. Yeah. 
Um, and we are, t- you know, the, the West Virginia entered the Union as a free state, and it was deeply divided even at the time. But we are, by virtue of having been carved out from Virginia, a nominally southern state, and you can hear it in our voices, and you can see it in the attitudes. Yeah. Uh, I, but I also, you know, people, people, I found people in New York City to be incredibly friendly. Yeah. They're just very, very busy. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's true. I, I, I have nothing against New York, New Yorkers, but I spent a lot of time in upstate, and when you're, when you're a poor, blind kid who has absolutely zero interest in conforming to anyone's standards, and will, you know, I have, I have a streak of pride as long as, well, my entire life. So, you know, you kind of get a little jaded. But I like New York City. I, I found some friendly people there when I, when I would go up and, and, and see my friends and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely not all bad on the East Coast. But I guess I was probably more homesick than I, than I let on when I was up there. And now I'm it, had to be, it had to be a huge cultural change for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, blind guy in the snow. I mean, you know, it's like, how could, you know, I've always been good at, hey, let's make things super hard for myself. Yeah. Invol- involuntary snow angels. Yeah. yeah, 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 no kidding. I was like, there were times where I would, like, go up on the curb and I would, like, lose my shoes in the freaking snow and I'd have to go down on the ground and find it. And... <laughs> Luckily, it was usually one shoe at a time. There were very few times where I had both shoes gone. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was uh, it was it was a fun experience. There were times, you know, where it would get really icy, and I I walk the, the eight blocks because I live off campus. I walk eight blocks to school just because I could, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, it, it was definitely a cultural change. You know, I, I do miss upstate New York, and I always have a fond place for it but you know and just a just a point of trivia once upon a time when i was applying to law schools uh i applied to syracuse oh yeah and uh i don't remember if i was accepted or rejected but uh i had a couple of friends like are you sure you wanted to you're not crazy about winter anyway are you sure you want to be cold for the rest of your life oh yeah yeah, you, you you said you need the president winner. I can't imagine what that would have done to your four spirits. <laughs> like that was that would have been. Oh man. Yeah, I perked up, I perked up considerably today because we had and we're going to have it for the next couple of days. Clear, blue, beautiful skies. It's only going to rain on the weekend because that's the way God orders the universe in Appalachia, apparently. Yeah. But we had so I went to my doctor's appointment. And we just had clear skies and I could actually feel the week dying sun upon my face and perked me up in a big way oh yeah me too you know i got a i went to a pub for lunch yesterday and i i i sat right near a window table where the sun was just right just reflecting through the window on me it felt like a summer's day for a few minutes it was it was beautiful. I, I wish I could have stayed there all day, but you know. <laughs> yeah, hence my ongoing threat to just install a French fry lamp in the studio here and just sit under it all day. 
Seriously, though, have you considered getting like a, a light box or something? I have. I have. We're, uh, uh, Annette and I have actually been looking at one, and we just need one that's big enough that we can both sit under it at the same time and not hate ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hell, I haven't even thought of it because, you know, I know that light affects you. You know, light affects you even when you can't see. That's, that's a fact. And so, so I try to keep the lights on in here. And, um, you know, but I think a light box you know, would help anybody with just any sort of depression, you know, depression. Oh, you know, it's pretty gloomy here in the winter too. I mean, I, I I walk outside and I'm like, oh God, it's so cold. And I I don't know I said I don't even have a coat yet. I have a, I have this hoodie right right next to me, and I've been oh Tristan running. Yeah, I've been running from place to place. Well, you know how it is when you move. I just lost a bunch of shit because I I hate moving. So I I, I oh I know I uh, 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 more than one move in five years equals a house fire. A dear friend of mine once said. Yeah, and I've had about let's see one, two, three, four in the last year and a half, and I really hope to find some stability here. I got to be honest. This I hope you do. Hell. I sincerely hope you do. But by the same token, please bear in mind, and I'm not proud to say this. Uh, we moved here in 1998, and there are still some boxes from 1998. And when you run across one, it's like having new stuff. <laughs> yeah, what, did you did you find anything interesting in there? Oh, lots of uh, glassware and 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 it was stuff that we'd packed away and uh, and it was a show from a long time ago, probably before you even found the program. But I found, and, and it was glassware that had been and wrapped up in old newspaper. Always wrap things in old new, in newspaper, because when you go to unwrap it five or ten years later, it's like a time capsule. And I unwrapped this one glass, and it was wrapped in a story about the Klan rallying in Tuscumbia, Alabama, during the 1980 election year, and how they were all in for Ronald Reagan. Of course they were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know that that's that's cool. That that's super cool to hear and you know. I um uh, I no, I, I really appreciate, you know, your program. I am gonna try to call more often. I just wanna give a shout out to some of the people who who welcomed me last week. There was Ken and Matt in San Francisco and Jerry and uh I think Tom and a few others. I I'm sorry people's names escape me, but you know, I just I just want to thank all of you and, and you especially, Robin, for doing. Oh, doing my some pleasure, Tristan. You, you know, I I I'm, I'm really liking this, and I, I you know I'll try to email. I'm not super good at email. I, I it's not that I don't use it. It's just that I don't have. I write so many emails these days. It's just like uh, I'll write another one. Well, you know, you just got so. uh, you just got a note from Jude, uh, who is not that awfully far from you. Uh, she said, Tristan's voice and engagement with you, Robin, adds a unique and new energy change for the horn. I appreciate those willing to call in with respect, especially when one sounds relaxed and focused. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that, Jude. And, you know, well, yes, we're, we're, I don't know where you live, but uh, not too far away. Could probably, uh, you know, see about, you know, a meeting at some point. I'm always happy to meet new people. You know, that's that's one of the things that I'm really trying to work on now, like my, my fresh new move. So, you know, 
I really appreciate that. And I well, there is there is there is a significant Great Northwest contingent of the Horn Family Community Congregation. Oh, yeah. So be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know about uh, uh, Roger and uh, Eugene. One of my favorite cities in Oregon, and um, and there's and I think there's a few people in Portland too. Another great. Place. Oh, Christopher. So, yeah, Christopher's in Portland, and yeah, Chris. Yep. Uh, and yeah. and there has there has actually been a mini I, I wasn't there but there's been a mini horn in uh, in Seattle at one point. Well, we'll have to do it again. You know, if, uh, you know that I'd be I'd totally be down for that. I, I I really want to meet as many people as I can and you know have people's experiences and, and all that good stuff. So I'm hey you know let's 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 make it happen. And uh, I have to say last week I know I. Uh, Tracy followed me up, and I, I, so, I was so honored to hear that, to hear her voice follow mine up. I was so glad to be an opening act for her. She is a force to be reckoned with, and I, I always love hearing you, you two speak, get your both of your experiences, and you know, it, it really makes me reflect on some of the, some of the, some of the challenges that the world's facing. So I, I, I appreciate everybody here, and you know, I, I hope to continue to be a part of this. Uh, Oh, I, I hope so too, Tristan. And 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 you you bring such a, and Jude's absolutely right. You bring a really really good energy to the conversation, and I'm I'm just so tickled that you decided to to, to call in. Yeah, no, I'm happy to do it. You know, um, I always enjoy listening, and I'm gonna share it with all my friends. So let's hope, hope I can build up a, a Gen Z com, uh, cohort of the community. Oh Hopefully God, wouldn't that be beautiful? No guarantees, but I'll try my best. <laughs> no, you know, like I, like I say, I'll just tell the friends and neighbors. Word of mouth is the best advertising. Yes, I I will do that. I will do that. Well, uh, so tell me, how far are you from this uh, this cup of hot chocolate that you mentioned? Oh, I'm literally like, I'm in West Seattle, and I'm like a kid corner from Starbucks. So nice. It, it, it's, it's not it's not too far away. I, West Seattle, I'm about as far west as you can get. I believe my sighted compatriots when they tell me that my view is a Puget Sound. So, oh, uh, and this is all paid for by the loving government of the city of Seattle. This is a low-income apartment. We still, we I think we spoke about this a little bit. Yeah, isn't civil, yeah, ain't civilization grand? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it really is, and you know, God knows any Republican wants to needs low-income housing in the future. Um, but I, I, I'm I am so thankful. I, I waited three years for this place, and I finally got it. Right when I right when I was getting kind of desperate, I got this place, and I am I'm excited. So you know. Oh, and but yeah, no. It, enjoy enjoy it all, and and you know the frigid the frigid weather will not last forever. That's very true. Only three or four more months. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you well, you may have heard me mention at one point one of my favorite books uh is uh, Still Life with Woodpecker by Tom Robbins and of course he's a Northwest author. And a lot of Still Life with Woodpecker uh touches upon Washington state and the Seattle area. And the and the book it's not terribly long is it's a little dated now because it was a 1980 publication so Imagine the vibe, but yeah. uh, there's reference to uh, the the blackberries 
in the Northwest and how, if left unchecked, the, 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 blackberry, the blackberry canes would completely overtake Seattle. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's, that's, that's true. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to, I'll have to look into it. It's, but, a, it's, yeah, a, no, it's a fun book. You might enjoy it. Yeah, well, we will, we will speak again, Robin, and I hope you and the community have a good rest of the day. And, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy the rest of the show probably when I go to sleep. So I'll be looking forward to it. Okay, I'll try not to put any subliminal messages in there, Tristan. <laughs> okay. Okay, I, I, I'll take your word for it. Okay, enjoy your hot chocolate, and please know that it's an absolute delight to hear from you. Yes, uh, likewise, Robert. All right, have a great night, and be safe. You too. Right. Talk to you later. Okay, bye. Yes, bye. That's Tristan's second call, and I hope Tristan makes a thousand more. I love uh, I love my conversations with him. He brings... He, he he bring he brings he brings an energy that um is just it's it's refreshing and so thank you Tristan and I hope I hope they make I hope you, I hope they make you the best cup of hot chocolate that Starbucks has made ever ever uh, let's keep things rolling oh by the way thank you to Steve I had a note from Steve keep on rocking Steve said. Uh, even though my presence is not as noticeable as it used to be, please know that Karen and Kenley and myself look forward to and listen to your opening monologue daily. You've been crushing it, my friend. Ten bucks coming your way. Thanks for insight, wit, and knowledge. Steve, thank you. And thank you, thank you, Miss Karen, and thank you, little Kenley. Little Kenley's such a good baby. Yes, we love little Kenley. We do. So thank you. And and uh, thanks thanks for jumping in because uh, you're 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 the first past the post in this program and that uh, means we've only got fifteen dollars to go on Ralph's uh, uh, Letitia James rests her case challenge fifteen dollars and that'll get us down to nine hundred and forty dollars to go with a bunch of bills out there bouncing around. Thank you so much and let's keep going and run over to the stress line. Hey, welcome to the program. Hi, it's Randy Radar, your self-taught expert on narcissism. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Randy, how are you? Hi. Yeah, I have number. I've had another number of narcissistic relatives in my family, and I wanted to comment on something called psychological invalidation. Yeah, uh, I, I, I saw it, I saw your email, and I think it touches nicely on what on what Tristan brought up. Yeah, uh, can I read it? Yeah, please do. Doubt in one's mind is a good thing, but being constantly contradicted can be damaging psychological validation. Too much of invalidation can have you thinking that you're not quite right in your thought process when you are correct all along. It is alternatively known as doubt seeding. If by other people constantly, you are constantly contradicted in a somewhat forceful and non-helping manner. Doubt in one's mind is actually a good thing, healthy, and indicates an open and indicates an open mind. If not, if it is not constantly hijacked by someone, uh, some some other party or parties. And that makes that that, that makes very good sense. Yeah, uh, like uh, I was watching Daniel Amen on TV, and though I wouldn't want my brain uh, constantly scanned with chemicals like he was saying that his father always said no and classified it as the persistent 
brain type, Dr. Amen on PBS. And uh, such people are very difficult to deal with uh, and what can be constantly psychologically invalidating. Uh, if you're an empath, uh, you, can, you can get sucked into the psychological invalidation that can be quite damaging. So, uh, and the second tip I had is I recently found out that there are three main types of omega-3 that the body needs. One type comes from veggies, such as flaxseed oils, and the other two types come from fish oil, salmon oil, or krill oil. So if you try to tell a vegan this, they will flat out reject you because you're consuming animal products, but your body cannot manufacture uh, this uh, the other two types without efficiently without without taking them from the fish oil, salmon oil, or grill oil, okay? So bend your rules a bit, vegans. If you can, your body will thank you for it. Uh, I can find the article. Because those three different types do, do, they do, those, those three different types do different things, right? Well, there's three different necessary types of omega, the three most necessary types of omega-3s. I found this on the internet, uh, Let's see, just a minute. Wait a minute. I'll go into the history. That'll be the easiest way to find it. Uh, well, I'm to all history. And I have too many tabs just like you, so, today. Yeah, I know a little bit about too many tabs. Okay. So, uh, this is from healthline.com, www.healthline.com forward slash nutrition forward slash numeral three dash types dash of dash omega dash numeral three. So, uh, so, uh, omega three fatty acids are essential to maintain good health. And just try and tell, tell a vegan this, but, and they, they probably reject you outright. Number one, ALA, alpha linoleic acid. Uh, it's mostly found in plant foods as an essential precursor of EPA or DHA. Okay. When ALA is not converted to EPA or DHA, it is simply stored or used as energy like fat. So I get it's precursor, but I'm not sure it totally converts. And then there's EPA and DHA, which are all found in fish, fish oil, salmon oil, or krill oil. Okay. So the question is, can you take only the flaxseed oil in a vegan diet and not take the fish oil? I'm not sure this article totally, totally answers that. But apparently, not. All three, all three are necessary. And it's all listed on the back labels of the nature-made stuff that I take. Uh, so I'm going to subscribe to both the fish oil and the flaxseed oil, and hopefully, 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 I can benefit from. I hope so. I mean, I take mine uh, among other things uh, way back a couple of years ago. Oh, probably three or four months before it happened. Apparently, it also uh, uh, the uh, fish oil capsules uh, promote healing. 
especially things like post-surgical post healing. Yeah. It's a big deal. Uh, one of the surgeons that I follow, in fact, puts his puts his own patients on fish oil long before uh, they, their their appointment even comes around. Yeah. Well, I have to qualify this, of course. I'm not a doctor. But one of the reasons that I think the Scandinavians get through the winter is they eat this oily fish, and it's high in both fish oil, fish oil and vitamin D. Because fish uh, oily fish can be high in vitamin D. Okay, but I have to qualify everything by saying I am not a doctor, and you can do your own research on this. But that's probably what gets them through the winter time, because vitamin D can be quite helpful for for the winter blahs. When taken along, and I knew this a long time before it started to be advertised as a combination on your TV. Because I had a good health health food store guy, it kind of kind of lead me into it. And uh, uh, I take the vitamin C with the rose chips. I don't know if the rose chips help, but but I take the type type of vitamin C with the rose hips. and uh, I take a whole bunch of other vitamins too. But I just wanted to explain explain these two health points, hoping they'll help out other people. And I'm gonna question this website uh, to see if if the flaxseed oil can be turned by the body into into the other types. Because it says it's a precursor, but I didn't say how much is converted. You know, right? Yeah. So exactly. anyway, I just wanted to get the points in, and uh, as I said, you try try to tell a vegan to take fish oil, and they will. Uh, well, let's not beat I mean, up. some people let's cannot it, tolerate it. Let's not beat up the vegans. <laughs> yeah, but you see, I tried to explain this to a vegan today. He said, "Well, if it's necessary, my doctor will tell me about it." You know, the doctors are not trained in nutrition. You know, they they are trained in pushing pills. You know. At least a lot of them are not training. It's nutrition. getting it, it's getting better. Okay. It's getting better, but I agree. Okay. It's a little bit better, maybe. <laughs> so anyway, I wanted to make those two health points and make sure I got them on the air today, and that's all, that's all I called for. Okay, well, Randy, thanks a bunch. Please stay warm. I hope things. Uh, I hope you. I hope you have a good holiday season. Uh, it's not turning into one. My back window blew out for no apparent reason. No. Yeah, I saw that. Oh my god! I'm, I'm grounded for a week. Yeah. Uh, is Guardian going to show up and replace it, or in a week's time? Nice. Fortunately, I'm retired, so yeah. So you can just—I mean—is the snow flying and stuff there where you are yet? Uh, we got one dusting on the ground, uh, one or two dusting, but it did not persist. We've had winters here in the past ten years where the snow has piled up twelve feet high. Uh, when they piled it. Uh, that was rough. I don't think I could take that sort of winter. Uh, hopefully it's getting a little warmer and we won't get as much snow. Last last year we hardly got any snow. So, I mean, it got cold. It got really cold. Uh, we'll have one or two days of five degrees or slightly below Fahrenheit. And uh, that's kind of rough and it kills off all the blooms on certain plants for flowering for the next year especially the hydrangeas and so forth. But, like, uh, all the 
all the most of the snow and all the lawn that's taken care of around here. And they hired uh, got a new member on the HOA board, and she's she's really uh, made a lot of improvements to the neighborhood. And had I had I caught the housing when I was supposed to, I would have bought the house like at a much cheaper price, but. I did not sign on until until inflation got really bad and inflation chewed up my savings a bit and the house prices house prices went through the roof. People who own their own houses don't realize how much other people are getting crushed by, by Wall Street investing in real estate uh, when they uh, so. Uh, but like, I was supposed to pick up my deed this week. Uh, I can't get there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <no. I> walk. <laughs> now, okay, the whole thing closed on August 10th or whatever. This is just a piece of, piece of paper, you know? So, uh, but you see, you, you see when you file a claim and everybody for a gla- auto glass claim and everybody uh, gets theirs fixed within a couple of days that so yours is going to be the same, but uh, I had quite an unusual model of car. So like it's difficult for them, the the one with the heaters embedded and everything, you know, and hook it all up. And but there's glass, there's glass everywhere. So. Uh, oh golly, Moses! Yeah. Uh, and, and like it was like it was taken out with a pellet gun, you know. I, I, I was backing out. I was looking at the shift. I backed out at half a mile an hour. I didn't even make it out of the garage before. Before the window shattered, so were temperatures particularly low that day? No, this is in the afternoon. There's no reason it was shattered unless 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 there were built up stresses or something like that, or someone causes the shatter. You know, there's a row of houses across the street. I don't think the neighbors like me very much, but <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, but I don't think they're going to squeeze off around at you either, Randy. No, but I do have a, apparently a Pennsylvania state policeman on the other side of this wall living next door. And uh, I don't know if I'm I, – I said hello to him like one time in one year. <laughs> He's a very stealthy individual. <laughs> and it's possible. It's possible. Uh, he, he did me in when I wasn't looking. No, nah, I don't think but, so. I mean, uh, so, sometimes things just happen. I mean – yeah, but the timing, like, the timing, like, how come I didn't walk into the garage and the window was already on the floor, you know? How come, how come it happens? How come it happens when I opened the garage? And it could, it, it could, wasn't particularly cold out. It was, it was, there was a slight chill in the air, but it was afternoon, yeah. So. But it, it, but, but those things all could have, all could have combined to make that happen. Uh, shock. Uh, yeah, yeah. The seals no, no. and everybody yeah. says it's weird. Everybody says it's weird that, that the window just blew out. I'm just know? I'm just curious what so, may, what uh, what brand of car? Subaru. Huh. I'll be darned. I don't even. I don't, they're trying to take me in the claim, like like they're trying to uh, add on wiper stuff and stuff like that. I, I said it sounds like a scam. <laughs> I know the wiper was slightly damaged. I'm, I know it may be part of the claim, but they want to put a new wiper plate on there or something like that. It's, 
kind of ridiculous. Well, nice new so, wiper blade, right? So, yeah. What? I said nice. Well, nice I don't know if it was just the wiper blade. Uh, yeah, go I ahead. I mean, no, there's, I mean, there, there's motors down in there, but that shouldn't affect the glass itself. Well, Randy, you have yourself a good evening, and uh, I, I hope they show up before a full week. Because it's it's just yeah, <laughs> no. They got show. I reported it on Monday uh, last Monday. Like it's got to be next Monday before before the mobile crew from Safe Light comes out here. So yeah. So that little jingle doesn't say anything about when they show up or when they uh, repair and replace. We well, see. We've had we've had apparently we're, we're close to local highways around here. So apparently this this has been quite a lot of glass breakage as as these break into cars. And that may be calling them up at this time of year. Uh, a lot of a lot of glass claims. Uh, I don't know, but that, my, my insurance rep couldn't even get through to them this afternoon. So, oh golly, I hate that. Well, listen, you take care of yourself, my friend. Stay warm. All right. All right thank you. Bye right. bye. Our pal Randy Radar in uh, Eastern PA. Uh, oh, thank you to Jude. Jude just jumped in and said, meeting the challenge, always in support and love. So Ralph's uh, Letitia James rests her case challenge has been met. We're down now to 940 bucks to go. 40 bucks, and we're done with funding for last Friday on the front porch. So that's really helpful. Thank you so much, Jude. And Jude still has her Bart Cop Hammer of Truth Chinaco Añejo shot glasses that Bart once sent her. Those... Those would be treasured possessions. That's I think that's really sweet that you've hung on to them that way, Jude. Uh, let's see. It is prayer meeting Wednesday. And I, look, I, I want to go into the whole uh, uh, January 6th Tanya Chutkin thing here in fairly short order. But because people are having a conniption. He's going to get away with it. I always knew he'd get away with it. Maybe he does. Maybe maybe he is Rollo Tomasi. Maybe he is. I hope he's not. Because if 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 our judicial system is that trashed, we're in more trouble than we know. But then again, it was a long time ago now. And I only learned this on a state level and a county level. But I spent five years figuring out that the criminal law of this poor state exists primarily to punish poor, uneducated people for being poor and uneducated. Because the people who the people who commit bullshit little crimes like, oh, I don't know, stealing a four-wheeler, back, back when I was where I was, if you had a four-wheeler, and you didn't have it concreted into the ground with rebar uh, 15 feet deep and a logging chain uh, connecting your uh, connecting your uh, the, 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 the concrete pad to the four-wheeler. Somebody was going to steal it. But the only people who do that are people who are Poorly educated and financially insecure. I'm trying not to say anything terribly pejorative. You know, these these aren't people committing white collar crimes. 
And that was the vast majority of my docket, was people doing dumb drunk stuff. Or dumb high stuff. Or, you know, dumb coding stuff. Uh, a friend of mine was a pharmacist, and he used to talk about the codeine carpool. He would work. He worked for a certain company, and he would work in one store one day and be at another store 30 miles away. And he said, the "Codeine carpool would come in on Tuesday, and I'd and, and I'd be there, and then I'd go to the next store on Wednesday. And lo and behold, they're there. And I'm like, I filled your prescriptions yesterday." But that's what a lot of it was. The criminal law is used against people who live. I mean, there are very few people who are just out and out bad. Donald Trump is one of them. Make no mistake. So, okay, I'll hold this store, this prayer meeting Wednesday story for a minute. But it's it's actually a fairly important story. Um. Now, Nitwit Nero had a loss today in the uh, defamation case brought by E. Jean Carroll. Uh, the three-judge panel of the Second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals upheld Judge Lewis Kaplan's ruling that Nitwit Nero had waived any immunity claims. This is going to be important. That he had waived any immunity claims because he didn't raise them in a timely fashion four years ago when E. Jean Carroll sued him. Uh, now, counsel for the parking garage, Alina Habana Habana Habana, said that the, the Second Circuit's ruling was fundamentally flawed and that they will appeal this to the Supreme Court. Uh, Roberta Robbie Kaplan, who is the lawyer for E. Jean Carroll, said, We're pleased that the Second Circuit affirmed Judge Kaplan's rulings and that we can now move forward to the trial next month on January 16th. And they'll be the third, well, second, but among maggots, the third. Nitwit Nero keeps getting himself into situations where his liability for his tortious behavior gets decided before it ever gets to it uh, before it ever gets to, to the I mean, usually you try liability and 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 damages together but it was so obvious that for instance in the fraud trial in Manhattan there was a motion for summary judgment and judge and Goron real uh, uh, ruled on it and said oh yeah you're liable you're so liable we ain't get a jury uh, you didn't get a jury under the statute here, dipshit. Doesn't provide for juries. And now, in E. Jean Carroll's case, he's already been found liable for defaming her, and he's going to get another jury verdict against him for maybe another $10 million or so for defaming her after the verdict came out of him for him defaming her. I mean, this is dumb. This is really, really dumb. This is a combination of an uncontrollable client and lawyers who are afraid to even try to control him. They finally succeeded in keeping him off the stand on Monday, and I don't know if there had to be screaming involved. I don't know if there had to be threats from Chris Kaisen, uh 
Jesus Suarez and counsel for the parking garage to just walk off and leave him to his own devices. I don't know how that, but there was no way he could testify. And so the second court, the second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals said, no, no, no. Uh, waiting four years before you assert immunity is, uh, well, in the language of the law, an undue delay. And in their written opinion issued today, the second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals said that Lewis Kaplan was right, the U.S. District Judge. Back in August, Kaplan said that Nitwit Nero had forfeited his defense because his lawyers didn't assert it in a timely fashion. Writing their opinion today, the court said, First, defendant unduly delayed in in raising presidential immunity as a defense. Three years passed between defendant's answer to the complaint and his request for leave to amend his answer. A three-year delay is more than enough under our precedence to qualify as undue. There are some things in the law in litigation that you have to raise lickety-split. And most good lawyers know to do so. In the... Now, I'm talking about the uh, federal rules and in some states, state rules, but uh, Rule of Civil Procedure 12, and particularly 12B, speaks to defenses. And some of those you absolutely have to raise when you answer the damn complaint, or they are deemed to have been waived. In other words, you can't raise them later. Now, I should point out that, well, I don't know what law school curriculum is like now, but back when I was having my cup of coffee, civil procedure was second semester of first year, 2S1L. And they hammer this shit into your head. I mean, I, I've joked with uh, Darlene and Billable Rick and Steve and, uh, and, and, and David out in Oregon about the rule against perpetuities. It feels like, I don't know, jurisprudential psychological abuse that I still remember the rule against perpetuities, but so does everybody who ever had the same cup of coffee, sort of cup of coffee that I had. And the same thing goes with you know how and when you practice law and you see uh, and, and and your plaintiff's counsel and you filed your complaint and you get your answer and if it's coming from a defense firm it'll be a thousand pages long I'm exaggerating but it'll have all of these 12b motions in it and you look at your case file and you go what and if you're young and learning and whatever, uh, your 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 uh, old salt, uh, tried and true, been at this for a while. Mentor will say they got to, because if the defendant winds up fucked like we want him to be, defense counsel has got to be able to say no, 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 we did everything we could. And if you fail to raise those things, 
the aggrieved defendant who now has a judgment on him can send the call your carrier letter to the counsel that he hired ostensibly or that insurance the insurance company hired and say hey you didn't raise these defenses and your the, the malpractice carrier will go well, why didn't you raise those defenses the law says you got to raise those defenses at the time of the answer i mean th- i'm speaking in generalities it's not this the, nothing is across the board except for the fact that maybe uh, what the old saw that uh, jurisdiction uh, jurisdiction may be raised at any time. But he let three years go by and didn't raise presidential immunity, probably because he, well, he may have had counsel at the time who said, there's not a shred of law that suggests that you would have presidential immunity. I don't know. But I mention all of this, and whoever was on the stress line, please feel free to call back. I wasn't avoiding your call. But this is kind of important because people are out there having a conniption. Because what happened was today, Judge Tanya Chutkin, who is, she's not a slouch. She knows what the hell she's doing on the bench. And she knows how to administer a case. And so she issued a ruling that really pissed a lot of people off, and and I'm not being I'm not being a bitch here. People who don't under who who might not necessarily have the uh, knowledge of the minutia and arcana that's involved in a decision like this. But. Uh, she put an opinion and order into the file today. You heard me use the word jurisdiction a moment ago. Here we are. She said she no longer has jurisdiction over Jack Smith's January 6th case. And I understand why she said that. Because the question of presidential immunity, which in this in this matter is pretty much a case of first impression, no president has ever been charged with a felony. I think Teddy Roosevelt was once charged with a misdemeanor over impeding a fire truck in Washington, D.C. in like 19-aught-whatever. You know what? Teddy Roosevelt showed the fuck up. Never mind. It is, in fact, a case of first impression. And Jack Smith must surely have known. I have no doubt that Jack Smith knew. Stand stand by a second. I don't know why I say things like that. Stand by a second. My... uh, my bottle of sugar-free ginger ale was out of my reach. This can get, this can get to be a little bit dry work. Jack Smith had to know this, and he had to know that Tanya Chutkin would know this. 
Tanya Chutkin said in her order and opinion today, a former president's absolute immunity would constitute an entitlement not to stand trial or face the other burdens of litigation. That's all nice and plain and sane and sober. And it's legally correct. If he's immune, he's immune. And she could not judge a trial. And if he's immune, she okay, let me let me let me work through this a little more plainly. If he's immune, she can't try the case. Because if he if he is immune, she does not have jurisdiction. No federal judge has the jurisdiction, no judge has jurisdiction to try a case in which the the relevant law has been deemed inapplicable to a per, to a, 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 a public servant by virtue of immunity. I mean, this is the this is the ongoing fight in civil rights spaces over cops and qualified immunity. Now, what, I don't I don't know if what we're talking about here is a qualified immunity issue or an, a, a, an unqualified immunity issue. I would think it's qualified immunity insofar as he is immune for acts, and I'm not saying that he is. It's qualified immunity if he is immune for acts he might have perpetrated under the color of being the President of the United States. And if you think about it for a minute, it makes sense. Because if a President is not immune for presidential acts done in the course and scope of being President... The president's never going to get anything done because somebody's going to disagree and somebody's going to sue him over everything. I mean, if it were not for immunity, don't you think that dim leader would have been up to his Eyeballs in service of process when he decided to launch his war of choice that slaughtered over a million innocent Iraqi civilians? Of course he would have been. And I kind of got to go here. The framers were operating with full knowledge of how the, uh, the Republic of Rome fell. And it was because of political opponents constantly trying to use some form of the Roman legal process... To undo their political opponents. So here we are. Judge Chutkin says everything's on hold now. Because and, and, and we can't, and this is a complicated legal term, do dick without jurisdiction. So Judge Chutkin said. Consequently, the court agrees with both parties that defendant's appeal automatically stays any further proceedings that would move this case towards trial or impose additional burdens of litigation on defendant. That's not her saying he's right. That's also not her saying that he is immune. 
that's her saying that her hands are tied. And so before people start conniptionizing and, oh, he's going to get away with it, and I've already seen it, it's not what this means. It means that the Supreme Court of the United States has taken jurisdiction, and God knows I wish we had a better Supreme Court, Putting one's faith in our most puissant, dread sovereign, supreme Catholic majesties is not something that I find particularly inspiring. But that's where we are. The Supreme Court has jurisdiction to determine whether or not Tangerine Tiberius, when he fomented a coup against the United States of America, against the Constitution, against the government, against the electoral process trying to overturn the results of a free and fair election whether he's immune for doing that while he was still president of the United States if he is another one of those complicated legal terms we're fucked I mean up down backwards sideways and swinging, for, and, and, and swinging from a chandelier in the Peachtree Plaza in Atlanta, Georgia. Fucked! And, and, and heaven help the mariner who tries to navigate the political seas of the United States of America going forward. And that's what makes me think there's no, they're not, he can't be immune for criminal acts. Even even the vaunted DOJ Office of Legal Counsel memo of the mid-1970s that sought to make sure that neither Gerald Ford nor Richard Milhouse Pinhead Nixon would be prosecuted for uh, Nixon for his crimes and Ford for pardoning him for crimes with which, with which he had not even yet been charged, which was, to say the least, quite novel at the time. <sighs> that just said that he can't be prosecuted while in office. Using the same uh, re- reduction to the absurd argument we've used in the past... Again, if Orange Genius had gone out with an AR-15 and mowed down Black Lives Matter protesters in 2020, nobody under that under that Office of Legal Counsel memo, he couldn't have been arrested. It would have fallen to the Congress to impeach him, and God knows, even if he had done that. The maggots would have still been still said, "Well, you know, he had a pretty good reason for it. I mean, it was Black Lives Matter. They hate America." And and uh, although he would have been impeached in the House, the Senate would not have convicted. There would not have been sixty-seven votes to convict him, because maggots are going to maggot. That does not, however, mean that the minute he left office, he couldn't be prosecuted, and that actually tracks with some of that ancient Roman stuff. Because when the consul left office and became a private citizen, he could be prosecuted. That's why Caesar crossed the Rhine, or Rubicon. 
He crossed the Rhine, too, but we're talking about the Rubicon here. Aliyah Yachtai Est. So that's the backdrop of what the Supreme Court has to look at. And nitwit, and, and they, the Supreme Court said, ah, you got till the 20th, bub, to answer. Which means that, well, don't really know when they'll provide a, an opinion. Now, if they, if they decide to play rope-a-dope and issue it on the last day of the term in June, ooh, that's going to stink. But I don't think that's going to happen. And among other things, there is one case out there. You know, way back before he ever became, uh, slimed his way onto the court, Beer Booth and Brat Kavanaugh may have put paid to, uh, to Nero's arguments. Uh, Lawrence O'Donnell talked about this last night on MSNBC. It's worth just running the audio. Well, we really do have breaking news tonight about one member of the Supreme Court's opinion about Donald Trump's claim that he cannot be prosecuted for any crimes committed while he was president of the United States. This opinion is very bad news for Donald Trump and virtually guarantees that Donald Trump will lose his appeal of trial court judge Tanya Chutkin's ruling that presidents of the United States are not above the law and can indeed be charged with crimes that they committed while in office. At least one member of the Supreme Court has already agreed in writing with Judge, Chut Judge Chutkin's ruling. And what makes this an especially crushing setback to Donald Trump's hopes in the Supreme Court is that the member of the court who fully agrees with Judge Chutkin is one of the three justices appointed by Donald Trump. That means there are likely tonight at least, at least four votes against Donald Trump on the Supreme Court with only one more vote needed to crush the Trump appeal the breaking news of the night is actually 25 years old. In July 1998, Brett Kavanaugh wrote a 38-page article for the Georgetown Law Journal, complete with 167 footnotes. The title of, of what is now the most important thing Brett Kavanaugh ever wrote before becoming a Supreme Court justice is the President and the Independent Counsel. Brett Kavanaugh reviewed the history of special prosecutors going back to the administration of President Ulysses S. Grant. On page three of the article, Brett Kavanaugh writes, Congress can answer a question that the Constitution does not explicitly address. Is the president of the United States subject to criminal indictment while he serves in office? Congress should establish that the president can be indicted only after he leaves office voluntarily or is impeached by the House of Representatives and convicted and removed by the Senate. Brett Kavanaugh would not... Now, I want to take a minute and just point out one thing. 25 years ago, we know I suck at ciphering, but can, even I can realize that 25 years ago was 1998. Do you happen to recall who... Beer Booth and Brat was working for back then. 
he was working for a sleazy little porn merchant uh, since dead named Kenneth Starr who was the special counsel appointed to try to hound Bill Clinton out of office. It was Beer Boof and Brat who advised Ken Starr to put all of that salacious, semi-pornographic and pornographic horseshit into his final report as special prosecutor. This was in 1998 in which Flush Flimball, for instance, was not yet dead and not yet uh, being turned into the pineapple princess that he now is in hell. And would go on air every day and say, My friends, the flag of the United States is falling. Bill Clinton is a criminal who must be prosecuted the minute that he leaves office. Exactly, Brother Deacon. Ken Starr, he did. Yes, he is. He did. And so there is Brat Kavanaugh arguing for the criminal prosecution of Bill Clinton. But he's stuck with his words. And, there, and, and, and the question is, will he try to pretzel his way out of it and say, well, you know, I mean, if a Democrat, he can't do that. I mean, Mike Johnson's already dealing with that, with the quote from 2019 saying, uh, uh, there's an election coming up in 11 months. We can't be running an impeachment on the president of the United States. And then when confronted with it, said, well, I mean, like, this is different. How different, Moses? Not advocate that Congress pass an unconstitutional law. And so that sentence alone indicates that Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh believes, quote, the president can be indicted only after he leaves office. Page 16 of Brett Kavanaugh's article removes all doubt about what Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh actually thinks. Quote, the framers thus appeared to anticipate that a president who commits serious wrongdoing should be impeached by the House and removed from office by the Senate and then prosecuted thereafter. The Constitution itself seems to dictate, in addition, that congressional investigation must take place in lieu of criminal investigation when the president is the subject of investigation, and that criminal prosecution can occur only after the president has left office. And right there, in writing, Brett Kavanaugh destroys the totality of Donald Trump's appeal to the United States Supreme Court. Brett Kavanaugh destroys the idea that a president cannot be prosecuted after leaving office for crimes committed while in office. And simultaneously, Brett Kavanaugh destroys the absurd Trump lawyer notion that it would be double jeopardy to prosecute Donald Trump now after he faced an impeachment trial in the United States Senate for essentially the same high crimes. Only one problem, and there's Brett Kavanaugh's out. Oh, yeah, I said he should be impeached and removed from office, and then after he was removed from office, he could be criminally prosecuted. He didn't get removed from office. <sighs> Lawyers are hell on language. They really are. 
But still, it's pretty damning. And I can't help but think that when the argument comes along, Beer Booth and Brat might be handed his own words. As a wise man who since became elevated to this court, wrote some 25 years ago, etc., etc., etc. You see how it works. So I just, I, I, just, I just hope that some of the folks I see on social media who are clearly out on the ledge can just smoke a cigarette, flick it off the ledge, watch and wait for it to land on a MAGA hat and see that thing just poof, go up in flames like flash paper, and then slowly step back inside the window and take a breath and realize that this was going to happen all along. This isn't some surprise. Because in litigation, they're really the, the entire purpose of the American legal system is to avoid surprises. Questions will be answered. And which way a court falls is a matter of how they read and interpret the law. But the way that a case proceeds through the system is fairly predictable. And apparently the Supreme Court wanted this from Jack Smith now, if, if this, this, this request, because they granted it quickly. Now you can ask the question as to why. Did they want to just put paid to the prosecution once and for all? Or did they recognize that there is an urgent matter of the future of whatever it is that we refer to as democracy in the United States of America? Therein lies the rub. So we got a few minutes left in the program. Let's run over to the stress line. Hey, welcome to the program. Hey, Rob, man. How you doing? I'm good, Jerry. How are you? Well, God grant me serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the curse of things, the things I can, and the smart to charge the GPS if I hide the body. That's not how I heard it always ended, but that works for me, too. <laughs> the joke is, and I had, did you get the, the, um, the clips I sent you that I posted on Hunter Biden? Uh, I did. I, I, I said I saw those, but I wasn't able to run them. But I, yeah. No, I, I see. No, I see the. Uh, well, go back to the. Go back to the middle one. I think that was that's where I wanted to start. The big, the fat one. I put three little clips, and yeah. they, they did quite well on the Reddit today. People agree. Oh, you mean Hunter Biden? Hunter Biden was presidential today. Yeah. Let's fucking go. Donald Trump. Election interference. Election interference. Context. Hunter Biden did a press conference directed at Republicans calling them out. MAGA fucked up. Hunter Biden could be president. He looked the part and sounded the part and has at least a 20-foot penis. Jerry. I'm only half joking. He looked absolutely presidential. Yeah, he, he looked pro. You're right. And he sounded like his dad, but healthier and young. I don't think that I don't think that's what they wanted to release from Pandora's box today. 
what I wanted to, to share without getting into too much detail, um, I totally understand Hunter Biden and the fact that he has to do what he's doing under the bright, very public 24-hour news spotlight is terrifying. They call those programs anonymous for a reason, and that's uh, any value that you get out of that, it's the anonymous part. They de-anonymized him and exposed search records. I'm I, I don't know how he's doing it. How about that? I don't. This is a really hard four step. That's all I'm saying. Okay. And, and um, what what they're doing is why, I mean, it's why people stay sick. That whole attitude that they have. Well, somewhere so, among uh, the, you know, we, we, we learned... Uh, we, we learned last week that Kevin Kramer, a senator from North Dakota, his son killed a cop last week because he's deeply okay. mentally ill and he stole a family car saying he was going to talk to his brother who's been dead several years. A pursuit ensued and he wound up killing a cop who was standing outside his roller on an interstate on or off ramp. I forget which. You know what? And and and, and I want to I want to I want I want to I want to extend grace and I want to be non-judgmental about that because nobody gets any choice in all of this. No, nobody wants to wake up crazy. I, I, I've shared and, this in a and, meeting. And, nobody, and I guarantee you... This wasn't anybody's choice. I guarantee you that somewhere in the maggot caucus, there's a maggot member of Congress or the, or, or, or the Senate who has a child, spouse perhaps, remember Betty Ford, who is sunk in the depths yeah. of addiction. And if I... Wow, Jerry... If I were one of those people, Hold on, no yeah. if I were if I were one of those one of those people, I would tread extremely lightly with regard to Hunter Biden, because, as the old saying goes, karma is a bitch. Let's go a little deeper on on prayer meeting Wednesday. If you believe in an Old Testament or New Testament God and you're doing what you're doing to Hunter Biden under the color of God, you're going to hell. Just that simple. In your framework, you're going to hell. They're supposed, for Christians, it's supposed to be a, uh amnesty bubble when you, uh, you know, confess your sins and, and decide to walk the path. What the actual fuck? You're an ex-evangelical. I'm a, a, a ex-evangelical turned uh, Christian pagan, and this is wrong. This is wrong, 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 wrong on any scale. It is, and it is obliviously wrong. It is, it's a it's a matter of begging. I mean, if you if you go in for that, you know, sinners in the hands of an angry God business. It's it's begging God to thump you on your right on your little pink tomato nose. 
it's, it's begging God to give everybody in your village cancer. Unironically. And I'm not saying this is the type of thing that he just said something in code. And people thought he was talking about children or children's children. No, he was talking about his children. He was saying, if you ever stop someone from trying to come to me, go ahead and just uh, wrap a, a millstone around your neck and jump in the ocean. And by their framework, Hunter Biden is trying to come to Jesus. And this is the, this is what they're putting in the way. You know, when his dad had to, not embarrassing it is that a 50 year old man had to ask his dad for a car payment. What's the actual fuck? Seriously. You got Chinese uh, connections. I need, I need video. I need a website. I need links. This is bullshit. Okay. This is the 21st century. This whole, we think, we feel, we know, show me something, motherfucker. Show me something. And that's how I feel. I'm coming off the top shelf on this. I didn't realize I was so angry until I started talking. In the, um, the problem in 12 step circles is they're, they're uh, remarkably right wing just by the, the structure of things. But this is even their framework, you know? If the judge nodded ahead and said, you got to go to some meetings to get a little form signed, what are they doing? Agree. And look, I mean, it's in the book. It's, it's Wednesday. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That was in my book. Was it in yours, Jerry? Yes, yes, yes. And, and, they, and, and you know, and you know what? Let's let's language. let's be clear about something. Uh, since you know, folks like uh, our most puissant dread sovereign, supreme Catholic Majesties, are all gaga over history and tradition. They knew about addiction. Back in Bible times, both Old and New Testament you know are, are, are replete with admonitions to avoid drinking over much wine. Not just because it'll get you loaded. How about that? It'll get you hooked. Well, well, Solomon talked, he said, wine is a mocker, strong drink is a, a demon, paraphrasing it. Um, however, let, let's go a little further. Okay, the guy... That Jesus met that was absolutely out of his mind, who was living in his own estimate and had shreds of clothes and was filled with demons, that guy was an addict. And he didn't tell him the demons to leave, he said, the sins of the Remember that? Yes. And he was angry. That is the essence of the 12 step program. Right there. He didn't want to know what they were, okay? He didn't have he didn't have to run through all the priests and have them you know uh, touch his head with holy water and confess them all that. No, it wasn't public. The God of the universe decided not to publicize his crimes and sins. He waved them away. The sinner on the cross, uh, the thief. He didn't have to elocute. Is that the word when you have to uh, talk about crimes in the court? What do they call that? You got to say what you did. That L word. Do you know the word I'm looking oh. for? Oh, yeah. Are you talking about an elocution? Yes, elocute. When you, you didn't ask the the the, uh, the thief on the cross to elocute, he goes today you'll be with me in the kingdom. When we wrap this all up, we're out of here. And that's 
not the message they preach. I don't know what they're on. My science fiction manic eight ball brain can't, can't come up with shit. I'll tell you what they're on. They're hooked on hypocrisy, okay? I got a story here, and we're running out of time, but I want to tell this story because I want to get it in for prayer meeting Wednesday. This will this might tell you a little bit. You know, this impeachment horseshit is going forward with the blessing of Mullah Mike Moses Johnson, and I, I trust you've been listening. Oh, no. Um, Jerry, if you're listening, I, I trust you've been listening and heard about him, Johnson, thinking God was talking to him and telling him he was Moses. Well, Mullah Mike has a past. And Mullah Mike rose into the ranks of the Louisiana State Legislature on the backs. Are you there, Jerry? Yeah, that, I, I touched my new Bluetooth and they hung up. Okay. So we're talking oh, about Mike, Mike right, Johnson. So when, Mike? Yeah, when he first went to the legislature, uh, a big part of his testimony on the stoop was about how his daddy was the recipient of an actual miracle that was pivotal in the development of his religious faith. Because his daddy was blown up when he was 12 years old in an industrial explosion. And this is one of those Mark Twain moments where it's like, oh, it's a miracle for you, but the other guy died. His daddy was a firefighter. Okay. One of his firefighter, one of his daddy's firefighter brothers did not survive the explosion, but Mike's daddy did. So God liked Mike's daddy, but apparently didn't like the other guy. So when, when uh, Mike Johnson went to the legislature, if you know that area of Louisiana at all, you know that, I mean, for all that I talk about how toxic it is in the sacrifice zone here, there's a toxic sacrifice zone called Cancer Alley in Louisiana because of all the petrochemicals and, uh, yeah. Uh, by the processing? Well, chemical plants, refineries, all of that shit. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So well, at, the, at, the, at the time that, uh, that Mike first went into the legislature, there was a plan, a federal government plan, to do an open-air burn of 15 million pounds of toxic munitions and put massive plumes of known cancer-causing agents into the air for people in the area to breathe. And one of the people who got very involved in the fight against that thing was none other than Mullah Mike's daddy, Patrick Johnson, okay. who, who went to the environmental group's meetings, advocated, became part of the process, did everything he could. In the meantime, Mullah Mike's daddy had remarried, and he married, uh, well, A woman that he met at at the Taoist Center. So Mullah Mike's daddy kind of wasn't a Christian. Gabrielle Johnson 
Mom and Mike's daddy had multiple wives? Yes. Uh, Patrick uh, Johnson married Gabrielle Johnson. Or, I'm sorry, Janice Gabriel. That was her last name was Gabriel. She became Janice Johnson. Uh, he, had, he had just gone to the legislature, and both Janice and his daddy went to Mike and said, Listen, you got to get involved in this. This is really important. Your family really lives at ground zero for this. Janice Gabriel said, We basically begged him to say something to someone somewhere. And Janice Gabriel said, he just wasn't interested. He had other things to do. He was never interested in environmental things. It just blew my mind that he wouldn't give five minutes of his time to the effort. He basically shut us down. And Janice, uh, Janice Gabriel said this, and he wasn't interested because he's a Republican and because his bizarre religious faith well, she said, it speaks to those religious beliefs. Don't take care of the environment because we have a finite amount of time here and God will take care of you. It's crazy. And the thing is, Patrick Johnson remained passionate about environmental concerns in Louisiana until the day he died from cancer in 2016. When asked for comment, the Johnson office said, uh, oh, we dispute the characterization of the exchange, and then didn't say anything else. The only thing is, uh, a close friend of Patrick Johnson said he never attended any, accepted any of the invitations to the citizen meetings. And, in fact, Ron Hager uh, Patrick Johnson's friend, chairman of the Citizens Advisory Group, said he stayed as far away from it as possible. He had no sense of responsibility to stand up for the people he's representing. And, she's, and, and uh, Janice you know Gabriel, after, after Patrick Johnson died, she moved out of state, and she said uh, uh, they would exchange occasional messages and cards but she went on and said, my husband was acutely aware of the environment and certainly didn't agree with Mike's extremist stance on Christianity, but he just had to accept it. And you know how, for so many of these maggots, Jerry, they treat Nitwit Nero like daddy. Mike Pence was that way, Daddy. Well, apparently it was the same for Mike Johnson. His daddy died in 2016 at the same time that Trump ascended to power, and Trump became daddy. But this is just sickening. And I know it all. I know this attitude all too well. Yeah, well, God will take care of it. Don't you worry a little head about it. It's all in God's hands. Until, and apparently, even though. His daddy, who worked around all this toxic shit, died of cancer. So that, once again, drip, 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 drip on Mike Johnson. All these details coming out. That is the heartless, evangelical fuck that the Speaker of the House is. 
And my heart goes out to to, to his stepmom. It breaks my heart because I've I've, I've seen it from so many politicians, you know, who don't want to offend the people who fund them, the toxic companies that fund them. It's absolutely sickening and heartbreaking. I got a quick quick question. If if Trump can get... If Trump can get presidential immunity as a former president, Bill Clinton should get presidential immunity as a former president. Oh, he, he he would he would by definition have it. I mean, it was, no, it was never it was never it was never an issue though because Clinton was never charged with a crime because Clinton never committed a crime. Well, he wasn't he, so he could remove that from the record with his presidential immunity. I wrote the preamble to a 527 group today. Uh, the, um, the, the, uh, thumbnail view, ooh, there's the word I've been trying to rectify in my head, is that, uh, cannabis is a human right, and that my particular DPL really just believes in that it can save the planet, and if you want the plant to grow hotter and you punish cannabis, maybe you're a reptile. It's kind of crazy, but, um, the great thing about uh, U.S. tax law concerning religions in 527 is uh, I'm not even in the top 200 of crazy. And um, our mission statement is to tend the sick, house the homeless, and feed the hungry. And maybe reduce the temperature of the planet because they, uh, the magic climate bullet is cannabis. And that's the one that we talked about. It removes uh, something like 2,000 times this weight of carbon in the atmosphere in three months, but an uh, old growth forest takes 20 years to do. So I bring that up because I figured out what some uh, thing is, and I immediately got attacked on Reddit for it. I'm like, I, and I'm like, I think I've been a nerd. Trump's only thing, everything else is just windows dressing, is to protect the oil industry and protect the oil profit. And to slow down or retard the Green Revolution. As I said online, oil is going to, uh, batteries are going to be at energy parity with, uh, oil in about seven to 15 years. And if Russia is just a gas station that nukes, then they're just going to be a shack that nukes in about 20 years. That's what this is all about. That's why Trump, his biggest thing where he sounds randomly coherent is when he starts talking about electric vehicles. You know, notice that? That's his mission. He's supposed his primary purpose is to shit on the New Deal or the New Green Deal. That can't happen. That's why they were all hugging the, the globe and Saudi Arabia. That's what this is. This is about hydrocarbons. That's it. Everything else is bullshit. That's why we're under this incredible inflation. That's why I'm doing a better job because Biden is actually trying to transform us to that Star Trek economy. And the Star Trek economy doesn't have hydrocarbons. I don't know if that helps our case. I don't know how we do with that, but that's what's going on. It's a, it's a collusion, too. That's what the, you know, that's what the, the Ukraine arms is about. That's what God is about. It's about the it truly, as the nice old gentleman said, the devil's excrement, as they call it. Yeah. 
Well, Jerry, I got to get out of here. And but it's so good to hear from you. Well, so do I. Did you get my um the picture I sent on Monday of the uh, the rainbow column in South Beach? Yes, I did. That was beautiful. Yeah, they were, South Beach said "fuck you" on DeSantis. It was I had so many one. I was down there for uh, the tail end of uh, Art Basel. I was trying to absorb what art and technology and people are in the year twenty twenty three. Seems like I've just come back to Earth. I've uh, moved on from grieving to joy. Actually, I've. Um, uh, someone said this sounded really trite, but it is right now. Don't be sad that it happened. Don't be sad that you're going to be, be happy that you met her in the first place. And that's what I'm at. I want to live, Roxanne. I want to live. All right. I'm going to let you get out of here. Live, I love you. Jerry. I love you more. Live. I'm having, a deep, I'm having a deep moment over here. I really am. I'm, I'm just full of light and celestial peace these days. Good deal. All you right. can hear it too, yeah? Yeah. I can. Yeah. You, ta- right. you take Bye-bye. care now. All right. Hi. Scary Jerry, South Florida. Uh, last word goes to Billable Rick. And, uh, by the way, anybody that wants to help out, we will be into four digits tomorrow. Um, we're at 940 bucks to go right now. Anybody that wants to help out is much, much, very welcome to do so, believe me. Is Brett Kavanaugh stuck with his words, Billable Rick asks. I recall that after fat, dead Tony Scalia left this mortal coil, an Obama-nominated Merrick Garland, a University of Virginia Law Review article authored by Addison Mitch McConnell surfaced, which stood for the proposition that the advise and consent clause for the Supreme Court justices didn't allow the Senate to altogether refuse to consider a president's nominee for a Supreme Court justice. And we all know that Mitch ignored his Law Review article in embargoing the nomination of Garland. Moral of the story, Machiavellian Republicans aren't constrained by prior positions that they've taken, even if distinguishing such positions rival the positions of the Kama Sutra. Well, Billable Rick, a cowbell closes the program, and it's all yours. Yeah, that's my concern. Well, that was different. Or, as I said, yeah, but see, they didn't convict him and remove him from office. That's the only way you can then prosecute him. But the J6 committee did exactly what Brett Kavanaugh said should be done. So there we are. They did it after the fact, but they did it. So that's the program, y'all. Thanks so much for joining in on this uh, prayer meeting Wednesday. Thorn in the side Thursday comes comes along in oh, a little less than 21 hours. And thank you so kindly for the uh, sweet words, Jessica, up in the greater Rochester metropolitan co-prosperity sphere. Oh, my God. Oh, my goddess! 15-pound loss and lower A1C with reduced medications. Congratulations, girl. This is most wonderful news. I felt pretty doggone wonderful to me, Jessica. I confess I walked out of the, walked out of the clinic with a smile on my face and a song in my heart. Uh, hence the big old grin on my face that I put on my Instagram post. Thank you. And I hope you're healing up nicely. Maybe someday I'll be there too. Thanks, everybody. Thank you to our PayPal and Patreon subscribers. Thank you to our a la carte contributors. Thanks for the challenge this evening, Ralphs. Thank you so very much. And 
uh, thank you to Steve and little Kenley and Miss Karen and Jude for jumping in and answering it. Thank you. Thanks to each and every one of you who share your precious finite time engaging in the program in whatever manner you so choose. Thanks to our all-volunteer staff. Uh, Roger was away this evening, but y'all seemed to be, uh, didn't seem to have a problem in the chat room. That's helpful. Thank you to our news ninjas. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa, head on dot live. Remember, please like and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a comment so the algorithms can know that there's activity here. Algorithms are pretty dumb, you know. Thank you, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks to the hardest working, bravest people I know, the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net, 20 plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice in Appalachia and a proud union shop. Please stay safe. Get your booster. Get mine Friday. Get your flu shot. Get your RSV vaccine. Wear your mask if you're around groups of five or more, especially if they got maggots in them. You know how they are. Don't give a damn about anybody but themselves and don't care much for themselves either. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Use your hand sanitizer. Carry it with you, pocket or purse. And, uh, well, if, uh, if a certain guy who thinks he's Moses comes towards you on the sidewalk saying, Oh, well, you know, the environment is in God's hands, and we don't got to do nothing about it. Avoid Moses Johnson like the plague, because he is. And always, 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 Gina, it's all for you. Later. Love you, Wayne.